1: Welcome to this podcast. This is episode 56. My name is Tim Mitra and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jonathan Kuhlein in Mr. Mississauga. Hello there. And we also have Jaime Lopez Jr. on the line in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? Home of the Kraken. Alrighty, so let's dig in first of all. We got some fact check. The, the saying is... Hokey religions and ancient weapons are no ma- match for a good blaster by your side, kid. That was the line from at about 55 minutes into the show. Last week, we were trying to channel Han Solo and uh, get that get that right. Um, oh, by the way, speaking of Han Solo, or Han Solo as it's supposed to be pronounced, um, the guy from Key and Peel, the guy who's Key, what's his name again? Uh, Keegan-Michael Key keegan keegan michael key he was on um conan o'brien needs a friend last week
2: oh yeah the pod he, yeah
1: yeah and he was uh he was channeling um billy d williams on on uh the empire strikes back right and and uh just sort of the way he would he would say you know uh, han solo they would go the character name is han Solo. okay han solo you know like, no no it's han solo yeah yeah han solo and and uh, how he was saying Chewbacca and Chewbacca. And like, no, no, Billy. And he's like, don't worry, I got it. This is how he said it. So it, was, it was hilariously funny. I'm, I'm doing it no justice, but if you get, get a chance, check it out. I'll put a link in the show notes for that one. Nice. Um, coming back to uh, to reality, we were talking about the Romulan Bird of Prey, which appeared in the episode last week. And uh, so the Romulan Bird of Prey appeared in early in season one of the original series, Star Trek. And uh, it starred Mark Leonard. I don't know why I couldn't remember Mark Leonard's name during the podcast last week, but that's the person who eventually went on to play Spock's father, Sarek, mm-hmm. right? Um, so the episode was called The Balance of Terror. I don't know if I remember that. Or not. It's also It was also a quiz question on uh, the radio room this week. Um, but yeah, it was the first time they'd ever seen any Romulan as Kirk and uh, Mark Leonard, He chases uh, Mark Leonard back into... The Romulan neutral zone and, uh, you know, basically uh, ends up taking them out because I think they, they attack a planet and, and the Enterprise is sent off to chase them back or chase them down or something. Right. So. Yep. A little frontier justice by you know Captain Kirk in the gag. Yeah, and we'll get back uh, to the
2: Romulan neutral zone in uh, in our recap of this week's episode of Star Trek: Picard. There's there's uh, an interesting little note in that. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Anyway, was dig some some headlines.
1: Jaime's been uh, happy the uh, adding uh, headlines this week, so I'll let him take off with uh, take off, eh? With the headlines. Yeah. So Netflix has dropped a spoilerific
0: teaser for Stranger Things season four. Uh, It's really hard to have avoided this. If you were anywhere on the internet, you probably have seen this. Um, But uh, the the fun thing I'll say about it, without spoiling in case people haven't seen Season 3, is that uh, this has caused fans to say, hey, what if this character is crossing over with the Red Guardian Mm -hmm. in the Black Widow movie?
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Oh, really?
0: And if you don't understand what that means, good. You haven't been spoiled. If you do... Then you get the joke, and uh, yeah, you can click on the link in the show notes uh, that we'll have for those of you transporting home. And if you don't want to know, and go go catch up on uh, go catch up on Netflix and, and see Stranger Things season three, and then go see this trailer.
2: So I think we talked about this in, in past episodes. The sort of you know, the evolution of trailers. You know, sometimes it's a you know they do four or five different versions of a trailer. Some of them give away an awful lot of plot. What do you guys think about this? You know this. I think it's fair to say that the last scene sort of ended on a, a question mark or a cliffhanger, and this gives you a pretty clear understanding of what had happened from that long before the show was going to make its debut. What do you, what do you guys think about the, the sort of using that? I think the other example, I think when we talked about it, it was, uh, Tim, maybe maybe an episode where Jaime wasn't here, we talked about the, uh, the death of, spoiler, spoiler, spoilers, the death of Mystique in the trailer for x-men dark phoenix right yeah um because they put it out and it looks like she dies in the trailer and then everyone was like oh that's probably just you know a dream sequence or that's probably something weird and then the director came out like that week when the trailer dropped and said no that's exactly what you think it is which was a really strange choice and this this one's sort of the same thing where it kind of just kills the suspense of of what ended up the season what do you
1: guys think to be honest with you i can't remember how the season ended well well, then it's does that mean that you were surprised when you saw the the trailer? No, I didn't. I didn't get any. The, so there was no relevance for me whatsoever. Oh, I'm so just... you
0: didn't understand the implication because you
1: couldn't remember the yeah. The, all right, all right, all right. Yeah. Um. Well,
2: so I don't know that it works. This is a,
1: this is the one where the, the kids are all dating and and the girls are getting together talking about the boys. Yeah, and the, and the town and has that. been
2: infiltrated by uh, spies, and they're trying to root out the right. spies. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, I don't remember how it ends.
1: Right,
0: uh, but but to, to Jonathan's point about stuff, I think I think the Stranger Things one works a little bit different for me than it does with like what ended up happening with uh, the. The Dark Phoenix one, I think the Dark Phoenix one, the editors on the the trailer just got a little too cute. Like, if you weren't, you know, intentionally looking to spoil that reason, uh, sorry, sorry, spoil that moment, Um, you know, for very specific reasons, then I think they just kind of flubbed what they were doing there, right? Because I was like, oh, okay, well, seems like she's probably going to die. Like, like, I'm sure that would be a huge sort of thing people would be talking about mm-hmm. um even though some are like well no they couldn't possibly have, have put that in the in the trailer so obviously it's a dream sequence like it, it caused some weirdness there i think for this one with stranger things it could be more intentional with regard to uh, one sort of settling folks in of like look you know this character's going to be there don't worry and then also um it gives you a a, a flavor of Dramatic irony, I assume, right? I assume that we, the audience, will know something that the characters will not. Mm-hmm. And in the case we do. Right. So you can go into it with a little bit different of a flavor. You do lose the surprise, but then I think you get a different like tension on, on the dramatic irony part.
2: Yeah, It does make me wonder. And I, th- I think we were noticing that with some of the Game of Thrones trailers, too, where they're giving you a taste of something. But what they're giving you is something you see in the first one and a half minutes of the first episode anyways. So it's not like they're going to make you wait till episode three for some grand reveal. It, it's all there on Front Street. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: so maybe maybe this is just their way of saying like you're going to find this out the second you turn on the first episode in the first five minutes so we may as well just put that out there so that we can you know give you some tantalizing reason to to come back if you haven't already mm-hmm. fallen into this show which so many people have mm. all right all right dig back in next one
0: yeah, yeah next one uh so Redbox has realized that, that all the cool kids Stopped getting their, their <laughs> cheap DVD rentals <laughs> at very convenient kiosks, and I said, "You know what? We're going to launch an ad-supported online video streaming service." So if you're if you're collecting them all, you got one
1: more. To do <laughs> oh, that Redbox. I was kind of wondering what what <laughs> why it sounded <laughs> kind of familiar. And, 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 and granted, yeah. this is
0: not a visual medium, but the uh, the image that I'm looking at of their interface. If yeah. you remove the word Redbox from there, I couldn't tell you what brand that was because mm-hmm. it's from like. Slightly reddish to, I don't know, violet, I suppose, that final color is as a gradient. It's definitely not the very sharp, distinctive red that you would see in the very appropriately named red boxes out in the
2: streets. That's a, a strange thing. Have they said, is that American only or?
0: I don't know. It says you can check it on your web browser, which I've not done, or in the apps. The apps hadn't launched at the time let me check this out. Uh, I can go to the link. I don't know if I can. Do I need a... No, wait. On demand. It's unclear to me how I see the service. <laughs> like It looks like they have... Like It looks like it took me to the normal Redbox site. Like if I wanted to reserve uh, a copy of something and make sure that it's going to be at the local kiosk. But I'm not sure. Oh, maybe free live TV? Hmm. Uh, yeah, I can watch the, the best of america's funniest home videos or apparently now it's already streaming uh tim allen men are pigs that uh, stand-up sick. Well, unsolved mysteries family totally feud
2: hey yeah this is a quality product it is, this is the sure. kind of quality we've come to expect from redbox <laughs> Right. So, no subscription for you immediately there, uh, high man. That one.
0: No, no. But I kind of wonder if they'll find some singular property that'll i like, oh, another five ninety nine a month. I have to start paying. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean that's the that's the thing. The winning formula is, if you, I guess, for these guys is if they can hook in some really good show, then then they have a chance of surviving the world. Otherwise, they're going to just become an also ran, right? Yeah. I mean, we've we've had services like that already that have started up and closed down in, in Canada, like uh, the. one from, I think Rogers didn't have one last year, John. Um,
2: yeah, there was there was a, com- a, comp- a competing one, too. Uh, it was called Show Me. Show, show me. me, right, mm-hmm. yeah. Kind of died, died a horrible death. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, yeah. it, it makes you realize Canada's a small marketplace, too. You know, there's, yeah. there's not the dollars to go around like there is in America.
1: Mm-hmm. So how about that Sonic the Hedgehog? Yeah, just a, a
0: quick hit here. The Sonic the Hedgehog movie broke the record. <laughs> For video game movie debut, pulling in Mm -hmm. 57 million in its opening compared to Detective Pikachu's 54.3 million, which, uh, is pretty surprising considering it's a February movie and not a May movie right. like Detective Pikachu and uh, so who's in third place then I wonder uh, I actually I actually don't know I would what's guess
2: it? probably like a Mortal Kombat movie like mm-hmm. the first one maybe or uh, what's a Warcraft there was a World of Warcraft movie a few years ago this there's been mm-hmm. I mean mm-hmm. there's been a ton of adaptations not <laughs> like virtually none of them good
0: yeah so I I, I guess I don't have, have as strong of a feeling now to do this uh, but I would was sort of feeling guilty, like, man, I really should go support this movie. You might be wondering, well, <laughs> why? And say, like, well, because they ended up doing the right thing in the end, right? The the fans said, We hate this. This is dumb. Don't do this. And they actually listened and spent millions of dollars in and delayed the movie uh, on top of that to, you know, fix it as best they could. And they, they were rewarded for it. So I hope they take this to heart. You know, in the studios in the future of like, look, just, just save the time and money and just do it right for the first time, for heaven's sakes. Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I I feel less guilty about not going now. Than I'm like, oh, it's the best of all time. All okay, right, good. Like, good job. I'll, I'll catch it on Netflix or Amazon or wherever, <laughs> wherever this ends up.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it still doesn't look good. I mean, it's still, it's not cats, but it doesn't look good. No, it kind of, it's kind of smurfish, you know, like, yeah, yeah, it looks very, um, um you know, slapsticky, kid-friendly, which sure, I mean, there, I, there's always, again, I had little kids once, it's, uh, you know, there's absolutely a market for, I need to take my kids somewhere, it's February, and if they stay at my house mm-hmm. one more minute, I'm going to kill them. Uh, yeah, yeah you're, you're always looking for those things to do, so it makes sense in in that way, you know, if February can be a little little nasty, you're just like, hey, let's go to the movies.
1: Yeah, well, it like the hedgehog was my gateway drug too, right? I mean, when it came to video games, because that's how I first got into PlayStation and Genesis and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Oh, it was Genesis uh, for you guys? I thought... Uh I
0: thought there the a Americas a were the only ones that
1: had uh, Mega Drive. Oh, sorry, that Mega Drive named as Genesis.
2: No, we had Genesis too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That was, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, new- it was Master
1: System before that. And yeah. Jonathan's friend um, Andrew went to England and brought back a, a copy of Sonic on Master System, which is still my favorite version of it, by mm-hmm. the way. But, mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Still have it in no. my collection. A, a nice, uh, rare, rare treat, that one. The old uh, Sega Master yeah. System Sonic game.
1: I even had the Sonic, the, um, the Mo, the Nomad, Sega Nomad. Mm-hmm. And I took that to Vancouver with me. So mm-hmm. I think I have a copy of Sonic the Hedgehog in, in, one of my DVD cases here, as a matter of fact. Um, not that it came out in, I mean the cartridge, right? But anyway, I'm looking at Flickster, which lists off the top selling movies of, of last week. So top box office was Sonic followed by Birds of Prey and the fantabulous, um, unnamed or incorrectly named movie. Um, Fantasy Island came in third, surprisingly, with ten. Like the Rotten Tomatoes score is like ten percent and forty seven percent from the fans. Yeah, <laughs> um, followed by Photograph, Bad Boys for Life in nineteen seventeen, and Parasite. Right. So, mm.
2: um, I saw yeah, so, I, mean, I saw Parasite's getting an IMAX uh, re-release. Is it really? Yeah, they're going to do a digital remaster. I just caught that before we came on, and uh, wow. I thought that's a strange choice. But I guess it's so popular yeah. now that people want to see it at the, the widest possible oh, screen. The screen. I yeah. mean,
1: it's it's really well done. I mean, like like visually well done as well as being a good movie. I mean, like, it's unique because the plot is not like anything you've seen before. Right, homie? Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's quirky and, and funny, and it's timely, you know. Um, I'm not giving too much away. I think it's actually in one of the trailers where the, the two kids in the family the two, the, are trying to find a, a cell signal that they can bum off the neighbors. And they have this raised toilet that they, you know, it's like it's up on a platform. And they, they find they get the best signal sitting sitting beside the toilet in the bathroom kind of thing. And it's, they're, they're walking around their basement apartment and they're kind of holding their phones up trying to get a line, you know, uh, trying to get some bars, right? So, And that's, you know, totally. Very timely, sort of, you know, statement. I mean, like it's in. I was looking at that scene, thinking, you know, in in ten or fifteen years, it's not going to mean anything to people, right? It's kind of like dialing an old rotary phone. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it's funny in in that way, right? So and and just you know, it's it's the it's a it's a bit of movie a movie about class differences too, right? And it's very obviously like it's very stark the difference in class between the the two families in the in the story, right? So anyway. Moving on. Let's move on. Yeah, we got something amazing for you. We got uh, amazing the first
0: trailer for Amazing Stories, the Apple TV uh-huh. Plus show from uh, the
1: production studio for Steven Spielberg. I'm not. He was, he was on the stage when they rolled out Apple TV, right? Apple TV Plus. Like he I, was there.
0: Yeah, I think I, I think he was, and I think they had talked about the fact that they were going to do this, and right now it's closer, uh, closer to reality, since they actually have the trailer for. Um, Five episodes, and this is based on the nineteen eighty five series, which I'm not terribly familiar with. I've you know, I've seen like Tales from the Dark Side and The Outer Limits and a whole bunch of other stuff that had uh you know originated in the eighties or had eighties revivals. Do either of you have more more context? Well I was gonna say it stories? sounds
1: familiar. I was gonna say, is this the amazing story from before, but was that also Steven Spielberg, Jonathan? Do you it, remember? It that? was, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. And
2: it was sort of it was an anthology like many of those other shows, and um, I don't think I can honestly say I watched all of them again, I was I was pretty in it at the time um but there was certainly standard episodes i remember quite vividly it being you know like talked about tv even in its era um, cause they were bringing big name people like Steven Spielberg to television, which for now, you know, in the era we live in now, that's not an uncommon practice, but you know, in the, in the 1980s, that was, you know, there was a huge divide between those who worked in the cinema and those who worked on the trash that was TV, yeah. you know, nowadays, you know, Meryl Streep was just on a television program on HBO last year, you know, like, what? yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, it's 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 almost a product of a different era. I, I do wonder what the what the appeal is in this circumstance. That was sort of the sales was. Like, what if you take the, the smartest, most creative people in Hollywood and let them do a half-hour TV show? You know, that was a huge hook. It kind of
1: predated um, X-Files, too, in that sort of sense, right? Like, mm-hmm. the campiness sense. And it was sort of a Twilight Zone, because we were starved for Twilight Zone for a while there, too, right? So cause they even tried to bring that back, and they had a Twilight Zone movie and all that stuff, yeah
2: you looking forward to it. Did you watch it, Jaime? Did you watch the trailer? To, what, what, did, what did it say to you? It said to me um,
0: something like like those uh, this anthology shows, like a Black Mirror, like a Tales from the Dark Side. But, but it's not the best example to use those because those tended to be more sci-fi and horror specifically. Uh, this didn't seem like it would be purely that. It seemed like there was other stuff that was a little bit more sort of... Uh, general family-friendly and uplifting sort of stuff, um, you know, amazing in some way that doesn't involve, you know, body horror or something. Um, so it seems interesting, and it does seem like a brand that would fit a little bit better with Apple TV Plus than, say, you know, Black Mirror, where, like, the first pig pig uh, prime minister yeah, episode no, <laughs> no not, definitely a not a Come good on, fit for president. Apple TV Plus.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it wasn't that it was. But there was like, again, I remember very vividly some of the episodes being, you know, like really, um, really impressive at the time. Again, like it wasn't just Spielberg. It was, you know, uh, Martin Scorsese. It was Joe Dante. It was like it, you know, Irvin Kirshner, like big name, famous, you know, actors, Hollywood people doing these shows. And yeah, like it was like a thing you had to tune in uh robert zemeckis like in the same era where he was making back to the future like you know this was this was a big deal i don't know if that's the kind of um, tenor that they their talent they've got behind this one brad bird like before iron giant you know like um yeah i don't know what they could do to replicate that kind of oh my goodness i can't believe that person's doing that thing kind of impact that that it had culturally though cool all right next
0: uh, we are closer to an Iron Man reality, as given by this really cool video oh, yeah. of uh, Jetman Dubai, where one of their pilots is the first ever to combine hovering safely at limited altitude and flying acrobatics at high altitude in the same flight. What does <laughs> right. that mean? Oh, yeah. He's wearing like a flying wing with a jet pack. He hovers for a little bit and then starts taking off into the sky and flies around you know like 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 iron man if you think of the, that first iron man movie where he's testing out the mm-hmm. the thrusters um kind of what it's like and it it seems really cool because they say uh they go upwards of 400 kilometers per hour which <laughs> i looked up because i have no idea how fast that is and it's 248 <laughs> miles per hour for those of us who use that uh, that system I'm like wow that's really impressive a lot of tea
2: bags yeah yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's amazing. I saw, I saw the video. It, it's one of those things where you're like, "Oh, this is just gonna be another one of those like things," and then he takes off. And you're like, "Whoa, that's different!"
1: Yeah, it almost looked like Photoshop near the end. There, you know, just he gets smaller and smaller and smaller as he disappears, and into the vista Mm
2: -hmm.
1: yeah like i've I've definitely
0: seen the jetpack stuff where the people can just sort of hover fly in the air sort of vertically a little bit Um, but i've never seen it where it converts into winged mode and and fly at that sort of speed and altitude Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. but there was that jet man guy who had this suit that he would wear and fly around and stuff like but i think he, he took off from an airplane he didn't take off from the ground kind of thing right
0: yeah, and I don't I, I don't know if it was this video uh, where they were showing the history, but I did see one where they would, like, drop the dude off of, like, a helicopter or an airplane. Yeah.
1: And yeah. sort of get him
0: in the air already and continue. This one was notable for starting standing from the ground and then taking right. off to do that.
1: I want to know how he lands. That's what I
2: wanted to know. Well, you noticed he was doing the whole thing over water.
1: True, true. Yeah. But you never, I, I, I didn't watch it. I, and just one I saw was just him disappearing off o- over the tall buildings and in a single bound. But um, did he, did they show him landing anywhere? I, I didn't see that.
0: Yeah, I didn't see it either because I think Jonathan's right. He probably had to, like, Captain Sullivan himself into <laughs> the water, you know, and right. not be
1: super graceful on the way down. Right. Well, one would hope that he would survive. And obviously not the first time he's done it, right? I would hope.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming he's arrived since they showed us the video. And let it be noted that Sully did survive, as did everybody else on that plane.
1: Mm-hmm. Right, right. All right. I thought you were going to tell me about a new Iron Man movie. I was just watching the uh, um, Endgame just before we started recording here.
2: That's wishful thinking. Although, yeah. you know, I, as I said before, these movies are based on comic books. Nobody's really dead in a comic book, so.
1: Right. yeah. <laughs>
0: And you can have a younger mantle take over too, right? I think that's going on in the comic books. There's a...
2: Yep, there's a young woman who's... uh, Well, I mean, uh, Tony Stark came back. uh, Anyway, he he gave the mantle to someone else uh, for a while. But then that also happened recently. There was a uh, bit of a changing of the guard from the Iron Man perspective. Mm -hmm. And
1: next we have... Next we have the uh,
0: season three trailer for
1: Netflix's animated Castlevania.
0: I'm excited about this one. I'm enjoying this series.
1: I don't that know, like a sort of guys... vampire sort of family thing, like Adam's family kind of monstrous thing? I mean, it certainly involves vampires and monsters, but it's not, <laughs> like,
0: comedic in that way. It's it's based on the video game series from Konami, mm-hmm. where you... Okay. You, you In the games, you play as uh, one of the Belmonts, a family of vampire hunters, very similar to, like, Van Helsing mm-hmm. in Inspiration. Oh, I have no idea. Okay. And they try to, you know, hunt down and kill vampires and Dracula, and this one is based loosely on the early Nintendo series, those games. And it's, it's pretty good. It's got kind of a like a ragtag team sort of feel to it. And people who are together, you know, fighting evil, who don't really necessarily want to be with each other. Right. Okay. Animation's good. Um, the series is pretty, pretty bingeable because they're like half hour episodes, mm-hmm. I think. So check it out. Um, catch up on it because the third season is beginning on March 5th. Nice.
1: So is it anime style? Like this poster seems to mm-hmm. allude?
0: Yeah, it's um it's hard to describe especially in a non-visual medium here. It's hard to describe the. It's anime, but it's it's Western anime. Like if you've ever seen, um, like Avatar: The Last Airbender, mm-hmm. which has an anime-inspired style, but is from an American or at least Western company.
2: Yeah, it looks it looks great. Um, it's it's not my cup of tea story-wise, but it, it's a fantastic-looking cartoon.
0: Released at a weird time of the year because you would think you know September October would be ideal mm-hmm. for this, but maybe they're saving that for like Sabrina or something.
1: So this next story, you know, makes me think in this day and age, why? But go ahead.
0: Why? Well, let's talk about that. So we, we were dinging Redbox for its, its DVD service before, but soon you can buy the original prequel and Force Awakens, sort of a weird sort of a way to put it, in 4K Ultra HD. These Blu-ray sets will be coming out very
2: soon. Mm-hmm. And a nice so big Which box version set. of
1: Star Wars are we talking about? Like, Which version of A New Hope are
2: we watching? They are well, the special editions, by all accounts.
0: Certainly the special editions. What's unclear is if. They are the McClunky edition or the non McClunky <laughs> edition, which sounds like a really dumb distinction,
1: but it is so noticeable now. You see how McClunky the, are they? Yeah, I haven't seen the McClunky one. Which which one? Which version is that? That's the, the latest one, right?
2: Yeah, that's the newest oh, the version Disney of A one. New Hope on Disney Plus. The only place that they've made that update. Right. Hmm. Yeah,
1: I think I watched it, but I must have missed McClunky.
2: Yeah, it's it's the, some inexplicable bit of dialogue. They added it into the Greedo and Han solo scene. Do they still
1: have that the the um, Han and um, Jabba the Hut scene in the, around the yep. and the round the Millennium falcon? Oh yep. man. Yeah. It's so bad when he steps over the guy's tail.
2: Yeah, baddest gangster in the universe. Steps on his tail.
1: Yeah, I mean like I I I think I still own the VHS, you know, letterbox first version. I have bootlegs of the the Star Wars trilogy on DVD when you could only get them on Chinese bootlegs and then I have them um I have the Blu-rays which I bought cuz they were on sale and then now that I've got Disney Channel i was just watching Endgame like why would I why would I pay for something like
2: this again, right? um I I guess it's a question of permanence, right? You know, like, if you decided that down the road, Disney Plus didn't fit into your budget lifestyle or otherwise, this is something that's physical. And and it comes back to the fundamental argument over, do you want to own the physical copy of something? But do I want
1: to own all nine of these movies? That's the question.
2: Well, it does say, further down in that article, they've added an addendum saying they're going to put them out individually. So if you chose Mm. to have uh, a 4K version of a particular film, there already is a 4K version of last jedi i uh, right okay yeah i've seen that in the store the um the other two movies in the most recent trilogy i don't think are available uh, i don't think the most recent one's available at all but those aren't available in 4k and none of the previous ones have been released in 4k so they're putting out a nine uh movie set with all kinds of bonus features and everything else plus you get digital copies of the movies on um, and
1: a li- an exclusive letter from mark hamill is that, is that
2: right yeah
1: 27 discs apparently. Is that right? Nine movie Star Wars Star, Star Skywalker collection, sorry. This is a one complete set for the first time ever.
2: Well, cuz yeah, they just finished the third of a third part of a Third trilogy
1: and it comes in a nice you know dark or dark uh, death star box and it says the skywalker saga on the side of it so
2: mm-hmm. yeah there's a note right at the bottom of the page that says the story's been updated to note that star wars last Jedi wasn't included in this announcement because it previously included one but it will be in the box set and, and the story also has been updated to note that each of the eight star wars titles will be available to purchase individually so should you decide that you really don't need to you know have a 4k version of i don't know say attack of the clones uh, you could choose not to own that.
1: Yeah, you can also get digital version as well. Digital and physical versions will yeah. have to suffice, it says here. The digital version also includes the maestro finale. Composer John Williams reflects on his body of work on the Star Wars saga. Mm-hmm. Hmm, nice. Navy SEALs. Ooh, shiny. Alrighty. righty. Oh, I guess I'm up now. Um, yeah, so I, I, made, I said something last week, and I, and I still maintain... It's true. Um, So I went and I was looking around today for the difference between Glaswegian and um, uh, Edinburgh accents, which are the different opposite sides of Scotland, where there's quite a difference in in accents. And I've known, you know, my parents or my mother is from Glasgow. Um, she doesn't sound like she She sounds English or Scottish, but she doesn't sound like she's from Glasgow because there's a different different sort of accent as well. There's a like really thick Glaswegian, Glaswegian accent. She went to school in Edinburgh. I don't know if that made a difference. Um, and uh, it's qu- so the Scottish accent is quite different. And the, it was in reference to my set and statement that, you know, to me, English accents kind of all blend together. So um, after I saw that video, I saw another video here that talked about the top 10 hardest UK accents. And it's the... Watchmodo.com, They have a. They, they normally do top ten lists for different things. So they list off the top ten accents that are hard to to um, emulate uh, unless you are from that region or whatever, or you have some training on it. But so it covers off Cockney and the um, the um, Manchester accent, like the you know the brothers. Um, From uh, Oasis, um, talks about Geordie accent, talks about, uh, the, you know, the, the queen, the the type of accent that the queen has herself, Mm -hmm. um and a number of other ones and yeah you know to be honest if you if you play these people speaking this language to me i probably other than cockney i probably couldn't tell you which one i'm listening to Mm. so for me they all blend together so i stand by that but anyway i'll link in the show notes here if you want to check out these different different accents um of the, the the isles of uk you know ireland and scotland and various and sundry um great britain accents right check it
2: out we expect the same thing for the uh different regions of washington state from you Jaime, by next week mm-hmm. the hardest accents to understand from north to south
0: <laughs> you know i often have asked people to try to pinpoint where i'm from and it's a little bit mm-hmm. difficult because i have not always lived here in the pacific northwest and right when i've done like those new york times um articles of like you know choose all these vocabulary terms and we'll tell you what region you're from. It it pretty much nails it being from, you know, about split between Texas and Washington state. Hmm. Um, But if I were to, to very quickly answer uh, your question, there isn't much of an accent specific to the Pacific Northwest with the one variant being from the Eastern side of the state where people say Washington as Washington,
1: Washington. yeah. Yeah. I have no idea why, but they do. The, so the only other argument we about Worcestershire sauce or Worcestershire <laughs> sauce on <laughs> on just code went on for like three episodes, but anyway, um, yeah, I was going to say too that that it's funny because uh, Jaime, when I'm editing the podcast, I do hear a particular thing that you say because they always bug me about my canadian accent on on the other show and, and of course you know now i've got now it's two against one <laughs> but um the the way you pronounce the letter a you sometimes it, it it has a very sort of distinctive lilt to it that's different than than say w- the way mark says it for instance right or the way i say it or the way i hear it but but i do there is an accent in your in your voice but it's not like a deep Brawl. and you were also. I think you were telling us too that, like, you're from El Paso, Texas, as opposed to Dallas or Houston, right? And they speak a little differently there, too, don't they?
0: Yeah, they they have that southern twang, like Lyndon B. Yeah. Johnson. Mm, yeah, right. yeah, 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 and 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 you're right that um, it it probably is. You know, there to some degrees, but it's not as distinctive as a region as like you know, Paktika. You know, smart, yeah. To, yeah, yeah, from it's the mad. Super Bowl commercial, it's wicked yeah.
1: smart, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not better than us, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Amy Fuller does a great uh, Boston accent. Yeah. Anyway, all right, moving on. Let's let's do some Klingon and some Romulan and
2: yeah. Can you tell your northern stuff. Klingon from your northern or your southern? Klingon? Yeah,
1: no, is it northern Romulan from, from your southern Romulan? So I think it's based on the. You don't sound like coordinate. you're from Rotech. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so, Captain. Perhaps you should try and eat your soup. All righty. Well, here we are once again. We're at the uh, spoiler part. Warning! <laughs> warning! <laughs> red alert! Red alert! Um, of uh, the Picard Stardust City episode, this is five or four? Five, episode five, season one. Yeah, so it's my turn to recap the story. And by the way, I was watching the, the, um, the ready room and, and, uh, Wil Wheaton at the very beginning has this red alert sign that goes off and he sort of says, Hey, this is, you know, the spoiler part. If you're, you know, haven't watched the episode yet, go away, go away. So, but if you have, continue listening. Um, so we start off in uh, this episode in planet Vergisen in the Delta Quadrant, 30, 13 years earlier. And we see uh, our, a, a, well, I'm going to spoil it for you, but we see Ichab on the table, uh, an operating table. And he's he's obviously been, been beaten up and seems to be injured in some way. And a surgeon comes along and starts, you know, removing his eye socket, uh, his Borg eye implant. Uh, obviously without um, anesthetic because Icheb is not pleased about the operation as it's going. And the doctor says to him, where's your cortical node? Where's your cortical node? And then she's about to drill into his forehead to find it. Um, she hears a noise and she looks up and she says, bejazel, which will become important in a few minutes. So that's what the doctor says. And it turns out it isn't be- bejazel. It's actually Seven of Nine who comes in guns blazing kills the doctor and runs over to uh, rescue Icheb and says, I'm going to evacuate you from here. And he pleads with her not to evacuate her. Um, he asks her to end his his suffering. And uh, she pulls out her, her phaser pistol. And uh, as she's hugging him, uh, she says, I'm sorry, my child. And she... Ends his life. Um, what's interesting is uh, we switch over to the next scene immediately. This is before the credits, of course, and uh, you hear a song that is probably familiar to a lot of people. Um, sort of a, it's a Scott Joplin rag or a slow rag, and the, ha- the title of this one happens to be "Solace," mm. which will which will be important later. And, and we're in this the the screen set tells us we're in Stardust City now uh, on Free Cloud. And it's uh, two weeks ago, as opposed to thirteen years ago. Um, and we see Bruce Maddox comes into, or it, it's announced by a large, you know, burly lizard-looking like dude that uh, to to the, the lady who seems to be in charge of things there. Um, that Bruce Maddox has arrived, and she says, "Kill him." And then she says, "No, wait, new plan." And she has him brought to her, and uh, he explains. Bruce Maddox explains, looking a little disheveled. He explains to the to the proprietor that he's been hiding. Um, they, doing air quotes here, have destroyed uh, my uh, my lab, and they've used some sort of uh, molecular disruptor kind of chemical or whatever. So there's like nothing left. Uh, of the lab, and um, she says, "Well here have some some have some train and it 's this sort of yellowy liquid and as he 's telling the story um, and uh, he tells her that the talshiar are after him and and uh, he then realizes that he 's been drugged and passes out, and she says you know it 's too bad because the uh, and this is Bejazel it turns out uh, says it 's a pain in the ass having to deal with the talshiar so obviously she 's got some plan." foot and uh, on the screen we see the, the credits roll. And of course, this one again is once again directed by Jonathan Frakes. Um, so as so, we're, we're going to the the Lysiana ship. Uh, they have they have arrived into Free Cloud space, and uh, Picard is uh, watching a sort of a holographic projection, telling him that among other things, that uh, Free Cloud will keep you all of your secrets. Um, and he's in his, his holographic study that they have set up for him on the, uh, on the ship and, uh, seven comes in and, uh, seven of nine comes in and, uh, he offers a drink and, you know, tea, coffee, you know, orange juice, you know, chocolate milk. And she says, no bourbon straight up. When she says, in sort of a matter-of-fact way, she said at uh, the last episode, she, you know, the first thing she says to Picard is, you owe me a ship, Picard. Uh, this one, she's the same sort of attitude. She says, what the hell are you doing out here? What are you, what are you up to? Um, you know, are you trying to save the galaxy or are you on some special mission, whatever? And... Um, so he's talking about the talk about the Fenris Rangers, which are a character uh, or, or class of people that they talked about in the last episode, but we didn't really get much into it. Um, turns out that Seven of Nine is one of them, one of the Rangers, and that she's been out there, you know, sort of uh, kicking butt, taking names, protecting the innocent and that kind of thing. And as Picard tells her, it's like you're, you're, what you're doing is kind of dangerous. You're taking the law into your own, own hands, and she retorts... What law? And he goes, yeah, good point. There's really no law out here. So it's kind of, I guess, it's to, to portray that the idea that it's kind of a wild west in terms of in terms of uh, how space runs out here. Um, and she basically says, you know, at the end of the day, I'm helping people who have no one to help them. And uh, so she starts to leave the room, and she's you know as he 's explaining to her that you know he's he's out here trying to find someone, and it uh, happens to be someone who has no one else to help her and of course that you know interests seven she turns around and comes back and sits back on the couch and they obviously continue their conversation. Meanwhile, we are outside in the in the captain in the the con area of the ship um, Rios and Rafi are talking about the fact that the two of them the two Picard and seven are are in his study talking. And uh, it seems like they know each other. Rios says, and, and Rafi says, "No, I don't think so, because you know, he didn't know. He didn't mention, never mentioned her before, kind of thing." Um, and they think it's cool that she's a ranger and all that kind of stuff, and that she's Borg. And then they make a point that I think I often forget that that they're both both of these used to be Borg. Like Picard was a Borg at one point as well, which comes into play later on. And Rios just sort of says, "Strange cargo you brought me, Rafi. Um Anyway, so um we then see in um, her quarters, Dr. Girardi Agnes is looking at a video, and in the video uh, she's talking to Bruce Maddox, who's baking cookies with uh, with raw materials that he's made himself. Um, and, uh, he explains to her he doesn't like, you know, replicator cookies, so he prefers to bake them himself because it's kind of an alchemy, and and anybody who bakes will tell you the same sort of thing. It's kind of a, you can follow the recipes, you can follow the, the sort of easy-to-follow instructions, but there's a bit of, bit of alchemy to it, and and it's kind of a skill, um, and an art, I guess, in a sense. And, uh, then the two of them, you know, as they're tasting cookies, they share a kiss. So, obviously, there's some sort of pre-existing relationship, or something has developed here, the, uh... The, the master and the, and the apprentice kind of, you know, um, relationship here, which may have some other tones that come in later on, maybe not so much in this episode, but we might find out some things later on. Uh, da, da, da. Stay tuned until I fill in the rest of the links. So, each person, when they arrive at free free cloud, each person is sort of given a projection that that is tailored to their particular uh, wants and desires. It's sort of like uh, you know in the future um, advertising will be tailored to each individual person based on their their customs or habits or whatever so somehow. Uh, the system seems to know what people want. Everybody gets a custom hologram, except for Elnor, which is sort of a point of, I guess, uh, parody here. Um, you know, Picard gets a, a, a gentleman offering fine dining, and, and Agnes has to punch out a, a sort of robot thing. Uh, what's interesting is that uh, Rafi gets a, hey, lady, do you You're looking to get snake bit? And she shoos away that one, which kind of... Plays to the sort of idea that we talked about before—that she seems to have some addiction she's dealing with. And anyway, a little while later, you see that uh, um, Rafi explains she's looking at a job board for for the for the Facers Guild. Um, so she's sort of trying to build a story to try and get these guys in to meet up with. Uh, with uh, she finds that uh, Maddox is uh, being held by um, somebody named. Bajazel, and that person is trying to, uh, of course, you know, Seven of Nine's ears peek up at that point when she says the name. Um, and that she's sort of uh, got a bounty or sort of offering him up to, you know, the Tal Shiar for, for sale. Um, and, of course, when when uh, Seven kind of, you know, turns her head when does a double take, they kind of go, do you know this person? And she goes, yes, she's... Uh, She's a butcher who butchers ex-Bork for parts and sells their parts. Um, anyway, so looking into the re- research, um, Rafi figures out that she's got a small army of private contractors around her. And one in particular that it seems to be annoying is a, is a Beta Anare, which uh, they describe as a sentient lizard. A reptil reptiloid reptiloid
2: reptiloid yeah
1: uh, reptiloid and th- this turns out to be the big burly guy that we met in the in the beginning of the the story here and you know they're like well I mean, too, too bad we can't offer her something and. Evans says, "Well, I'll offer her to trade me for, uh, for your bounty, uh, to, as, a, as an offer." So there's a bit of a flashback. There's flashing between here and and uh, the surface uh, as they start to to expound on the story. Uh, they, they're in the study, sort of getting their story ready and um, beaming down. I just noticed that when Rios beams down with a you know big orange hat and a purple coat, and he's dressed in what we would call a pimp. He's all pimped out. Um, but as he beams down, I don't know if you saw one of the signs on the, on the, the things, one of them said Corks Bar, mm-hmm. which is a sort of shout out. Um, but I don't know if this is Corks Bar they're going to or whatever, but um, story that Rafi has built up for him, uh, she's made him out to be a famous facer, uh, but not so famous. Um, and Picard, she's got dressed as a sort of a, a French villain type with an eye patch. And very yeah, sinister. I, I had
2: written that one down in my notes as Captain Frenchie McEye Patch.
1: Frenchy patch. Well, and just a comment on—I hadn't put it in my notes here—but a comment on his his French acting. He—I thought he was a little over the top. Not the actor, but I mean the, the cards portrayal yeah. of this French person yeah. was a little over the top. Yeah. Um, anyway, so he he beams down to the to the bar, and he's he's sent down to look for Mister Vup, who turns out to be the uh, Beta Anare, which we talked about. He goes over and orders a drink, and he asks for two umbrellas in his drink. Um, and then we flash flashback to the to the study here, um, previously Agnes had injected him in, in the, the neck with some beta blockers, uh, which will turn out, because they're told that the, the beta NRA can smell lies, so this is going to inject him with some pheromones and other things that will sort of mask the fact that he's lying uh, when the beta NRA gets too close, and they figure, they say it'll kick in just about the time you get down to the planet. Um, so as, as he meets Mr. Vup, he says, you know, your, your credentials seem to be, uh, seem to be in order and, uh, drops a name saying Mr. Quark of Ferenginar, uh, was pleased with the work you did for him in the past. So I guess Quark has some some clout on on this planet, wherever they are. And he explains to him that he's not here on behalf... Rios explains that he's not here on behalf of the uh, Tal Shiar. He's here on another interested party. And of course, you know, uh, Mr. Vutt pulls a disruptor on him and says... and points it right at his face, says, I'm not a fan of surprises, and I have 12,053 olfactory sensors. I can smell a lie. Of course, at that point in time, the the, the beta blockers kick in, and and uh, he he reads it as truthful, and the fact that he you know like uh, uh, you smell truthful, and you must have had some smoked meat for for <laughs> breakfast, which must mean bacon, I would think, right? Um, anyway, so, uh, he, he shows him a hologram of, of what he's got to offer and he shows a a projection of a, a Bork body with a whole bunch of implants and there's the sort of thing. Those implants, like that many implants in a single person still functioning, seem, it seems to be impossible. This is certainly a great bounty. Um, meanwhile they you flash back to the ship and they 're talking about preparing the stories and Elnor finally perks up and says, "Hey, you guys seem to be pretending to be somebody else and how come i don't have a story and you know he tries to you know fake a story and they, they just don 't buy it and he says it 's hard not to be not Elnor and then Picard says, Well, then be Elnor, but so don 't speak down. don't and then yeah, seven of nine says don 't speak." Uh, and, and Elnor that doesn't speak Picard in his over the top French explains as he gets in front of uh, with now he's got he's got his prize uh, he's obviously the person Rios is representing to Mr Vup he explains that he was a she was a Jean fille uh, when she was assimilated and that's why they were able to get uh, the borg were able to get implants in deep into her and you know you'll have to basically chop her apart to get all the parts out of her uh, but he says before that I want him to see proof that he's alive you know um, something like that. I need to see the mudducks. Meanwhile, we flip over to uh, Rafi, who's off on her own mission. Because, as you remember, or you may remember, I don't know if we mentioned it or not, but she's not. She's here for the ride. She's not here to help Picard. She's here to get him to the planet. So she's off on her own mission. She's search- looking for this this uh, person named Gabriel Huang, which turns out to be in, located at a medical facility. She beams down to meet him, and it turns out that this is her her, I guess, strange son. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's in the free cloud family planning clinic. Uh, he wants nothing to do with her, even though now she says she's clean. He's still, everybody seems to hold a grudge in this show. I don't get it. Mm -hmm. Um, he's just not happy to see her at all. And, and, uh, like he says, did you put a tracker in me or did you hunt me down? And um you know she he's talking to her a bit and talks you know he starts to get a little angry about you know the the way she kind of abandoned the, the family and with her with her addictions and things like that and and you know this stupid conspiracy about mars and she loses it and sort of says it wasn't a conspiracy it was real and obviously they're not going to see eye to eye just before the scene ends, he meets, she meets uh, her Romulan daughter-in-law, um, who's clearly pregnant um, with child. child. Uh, turns out to be a girl, I believe they said. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, the son's very dismissive and just sort of says, yeah, she was just passing by. So, obviously... You know, I don't know, but most women I know would say, "Oh, I'm too bad, too bad, you couldn't stick around for a cup of tea or something." You know, but yeah, this this seems to be very dismissive. I don't know, maybe that's the Romulan way or something. And
2: also, Pal probably would have gotten a little bit of the data on on her mom, on his mom. Oh, for, maybe, or, maybe, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Well, she didn't. She didn't seem to be like, "Oh my God, I can't believe you're here." Kind of attitude, but she was very coy and aloof, which again is sort of a Romulan Vulcan kind of trait, right?
2: A couple little interesting uh, things I, I caught in that scene. Uh, one was what we finally got. What, what Rafi is short for where she says, this is my mother, Raffiella," which I thought that's kind of neat. And there's, he, he, when he's yelling at her about her, uh, Obsession with the Mars attack. He says, you know, tell me about this, tell me about that, and he says, tell me about the conclave of eight. I wrote that down. I thought, oh, did was... you oh, miss that? Huh? Yeah, oh. he says, you know, tell me about the, you know, the this, tell me about that, tell me the conspiracy, and then he drops this line: tell me about the conclave of eight. So I, I think that was a nice little seed that they've planted in there in the middle of that scene, where obviously it's um, a wonderful performance by by both of those actors, but they 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 slip you a little a little kernel of something in there as well yeah Uh,
1: so now we're now we're in front of uh bejazel with uh with seven uh, as a hostage, and she's got these trick handcuffs that she can she can undo, and she's also she's, carrying she's got the hands.
2: Chewbacca treatment, right? Put on the yeah, handcuffs, yeah. get the handcuffs off, and start strangling stormtroopers.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, or start throwing them around, but uh, and assembling C3POs that she finds. <laughs> but um, anyway, she uh, she oh, different movie. Sorry, um, yeah. So uh, she's uh, seven and Jay, as, as Jay calls her, and, uh, obviously seem to know each other. Da-da-da, there's a surprise, right? Um. Yeah. So they know each other, and uh Jay says, "I, I ho- had hoped it was you." I guess when she saw the scan or whatever, and she re- refers to her as Annika. Which, of course, Picard goes, "What? How do you know her real name? You have you seen the Next Generation? What's going on oh, here?" Voyager, Voyager. Voyager. Was she on Voyager? Yeah, she was Voyager. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, that's why they kept
2: saying she was in the Delta Quadrant.
1: I don't know mm-hmm. why, like, why did I get the... I almost got the impression they knew each other.
2: No. No, there's a, a very quick... It, it, there's, a, there's a really nice... Uh, Job by the writers of this episode to give you lots of data download without yeah. forcing it down your throat. But when the conversation earlier in the episode uh, with Rios when he's talking and he's, uh, he's talking with um uh, well, Seven and Carter in the study, and uh, he says, you know, don't forget that they both used to be, be Borg, and you're like, okay, got that. And then they also checkmark that one. Do the do they know each other? like, not as far as I know, uh, Rafi yeah, but says, not no as far as I they know, know each other. Well, but if they were Borg, they knew each other, right? They never really make that clear. They, they say that they well, were, they, Borg. but they would
1: have been part of the collective, right? So they, they, everybody in the collective knows each other.
2: Yes, I think that's it's a there. collective. It's a, a hive mind. Yeah, no, you're right. I was just trying to think of the timing yeah. in my head, but you're, you, I think you're absolutely right. It no,
1: because you're right. Because I, I kind of just naturally thought they knew each other, right? Maybe like because you know how Captain Janeway knows Picard too, but that's only because you know there's there was like a a second in First Contact or something like that, where she's talking to him on yep. the comm, right? Yeah. After she's come back to, to the Alpha Quadrant, right? Anywho, um, yeah, okay, I, I kind of missed that. I, I forgot. She so Hugh, was Hugh also, was he on Hugh, Next Generation? She was, was on TNG,
2: on? yeah. Hugh was one of the first humanized Borgs. Okay, okay,
1: right, right, okay. So, yeah. And she was obviously Borgified when she was a young, young child, which we knew because she didn't know her family and all mm, that kind of stuff, right? Mm. Okay, so she was from Voyager. Okay, that explains a lot. All right. Anyway, I'm trying to remember here now when the guns get drawn because the guns get drawn. I think once the ruse is up, uh, the, the, you know, everybody pulls out a gun, v- v- pulls out a gun, and the two ladies that are her, her bodyguards pull out their guns. Um, we flash back to the ship, and and Agnes is kind of freaking out because she's on the ship by herself, and she's trying to. Not panic, and because she hasn't heard anything from these guys for a while, and the emergency medical hologram pops up and says, for the first time in this episode, What is the nature of the, your psychotic emergency? And, uh, you know, she babbles on and on with him, and she eventually just says, sort of says, deactivate EMH, and he disappears. And then Rios calls her and says, We might have to abort. You know, things aren't going too well down here. Just, you know, I'll, I'll ping you if I want to get a chance to turn on. Oh, I forgot to mention that uh, Seven is carrying a. Um, Pattern enhancer, right for the transporter, so that they can they can basically create a VPN tunnel uh, between out through the through the force fields or whatever, and uh, beam these guys out. Anyway, in the conversation with uh, with um, Jay or, or BJ, um, Annika sort of says she actually says later on that he was like a son to me, but but she kind of says to Annika that he was very important uh, to him, and you know you, you you know she was not very pleased with with what happened, how that went down. Um, and she sort of teases her, saying, "You know, no one has ever been worth more to you than me," kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So this sort of implied some sort of a relationship. I don't know if it was good or bad or whatever. But uh, she explains at some point in this in this uh, this takedown here that um, they kind of met each other, and uh, Bijay was pretending to be a Borg uh, to try and get at get closer to the Borg. And, I think
2: uh, they say that she she's part of the Rangers. I think she they say uh, Seven explains that when. Uh, when the rescues of the Romulans ended and... And the Federation left, yeah. The Federation yeah. left, and and this is where it ties into what we talked about at the beginning of our, our uh, pod tonight, was the, um, she says the, the neutral zone fell. There is no more neutral zone, right? And she, oh, okay, okay. She says right. all that has basically come crumbling down. And she said a bunch of us basically took it upon ourselves to try and keep order. Yeah, And then he, he then she explains sort of what happened with each Icheb and the relationship, right? Yeah.
1: So as the, I think as the guns are getting drawn or just around the time the guns are getting drawn... Seven grabs uh, Jay around the neck with her left hand, which is which is, has a whole bunch of Borg implants. So I'm assuming that that's a very dangerous hand to be grabbed with. Because all of a sudden she says, drop your weapons, and, and Jay says to the people who have the weapons, drop your weapons. And I think at that point, uh, doesn't uh, Elnor grab the guns and, and f- away from everybody? Well,
2: first, first he says the great line. He says, are we done pretending? <laughs> <laughs> or just so, great,
1: Yeah. It's so awkward dead for
0: him. Because yeah. the, the guy who comes from a <laughs> society that doesn't lie yeah. and just tells everything yeah. straight up is like... I, i'm not comfortable with this situation
1: <laughs> yeah and then picard basically says that, yeah everybody stop pretending you're right it's right, right at that point too right yeah um and then she basically says to picard and clan and take maddox and go and she throws the the pattern enhancer behind her well she um, she lays
2: out the she lays out the the story first she she basically you yeah. the baxter on each up right she says he was a one of the rangers with working with us he was on this ship he was on mm-hmm. leave they kidnapped him and basically spells out the story we saw to open the episode oh he
1: was working as a science officer on the ship i, I missed who she was talking
2: about yeah, yeah she was talking. was talking about Ichev and says they took him and they just wanted him for parts and it turns out sure. that but learned about ijeb being a former borg from seven while she was infiltrating right. the rangers so that's how right. seven feels responsible because she shared that information with jazel could not knowing that she was a. Just there for the the
1: data bounty hunter, yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's interesting too. Now you say that because because as uh, in, the, in the beginning of the story, when Seven pulls out her her disruptor and holds it to his chest, you see that he's wearing a combat right, mm-hmm. and he's in, in a Starfleet uniform as well. Mm-hmm. And she's not at that point, by the way. No. Um, and yeah, so take Maddox and go. And Picard sort of says to her, You know, this whole revenge thing isn't gonna work out for well for you. You're you're just you're, you're not really here to help us. You just wanted to come and settle a score. I'm trying to pull a fast one over on us. Um yeah, this so she sort of says some of us just tried to maintain order in this thing.
2: And um And in there in there there's where uh, uh Mr. Vup is sort of slowly trying to turn the tables on them, right? And he pulls a little something out of his sleeve and across the room Rios, yes. Rios in his pimp uniform. Fires a shot and kills Vup, and then he's the one that sort of talks uh, talks seven out of yeah. Getting so them all a very involved.
1: important line he says to her. He says, you know, like he talks about how the, you know, you're going to put a bounty on all of us, and you know, you and I can probably survive this, but the old man and the, and the kid will probably wouldn't be able to handle this. But he says there is no solace in revenge. Hmm. Hmm. Anyway, for those who were paying attention earlier in, the, in my my description, you'll get the reference. But um, yeah, so uh, basically somebody says five to beam up doctor i think rios i guess right and she b- pulls the the phaser thing seven at some point agrees to come with them so the the five of them beam up and it's and then you know rios puts down the pattern enhancer and uh, seven comes over to the transporter uh, station and very secretly puts it in, in her pocket um and then she's explained she tells picard that that uh, the rangers have sent uh, a ship to come pick her up um and um, which which which, maybe we knew or we think might be a rose. Whatever she says, I'll, I'll borrow a couple of your phasers, and she goes and grabs a couple of phasers, and he beams her to somewhere, right?
2: But she gives him a uh, she gives him a little little something too, a, a, like a combat badge or something that's supposed to be if you need help in the future, you can get in touch. Yeah, like, before so she little, leaves,
1: little uh, RFID chip or something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah a little signal, thing to to page me. So I guess I guess we're meant to think that that um, the, the actress is leaving the show for a bit, and she'll maybe come back later on when mm-hmm. we need you know Han Solo to sweep in and yep. save the day, kind of thing.
2: Yep. Blow this um, thing, let's go home.
1: Yeah, um, but she secretly beams down back down to the bar. Uh, Immediately, she as she's being beamed down, she starts. She activates the phasers so that when she lands, she just takes out the two uh, two hench women. Um, and uh the rest of the part Posse in the in the room all you know run away and beam out and all that kind of stuff. And uh she's left there with Jay. And uh yeah, and she sort of said, I thought you were planned on shooting your way out. She was oh, I may still um, and then she said that, um, you know, this is for each heb and she basically blasts, uh, B.J.
2: With, it, with a killer line, a really nice delivery of, he was a son, he was a son to me. He was today. like a son to me, yeah. Oh, so I had
1: that in, earlier in my notes, I didn't want to drop that one. Oh. I should have said it, here, said it
2: here, but that's fine, yep. Yeah, great, great line, right?
1: Yeah, so now we get to the, uh, we get to the, um... Yeah, because I think she takes these the the three young Borgs under her wing when she's on on mm-hmm. Voyager, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Picard then talks to uh, is talking to Maddox, um, uh, and uh, you know Maddox is obviously struggling to to you know obviously typical storyline where he tries to get up but he can't get up and he falls back down again. But uh, he says he asks uh, he I guess because Picard is there he says I guess uh, Dodge is dead, isn't she? And uh, you know, he confirms he is, and, and um, he sort of said, what happened? He goes, well, the Tal Shiar came for me. And uh, he drops another line, too, which is interesting. He says, the uh, the mom AI must have activated her. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we've seen the mom AI. We've seen this mom that they've talked to, both Soji and... and Dodge, Dodge a couple of times, but obviously it looks it looked to us a little computerish. But it turns out it actually is a computer. Mm-hmm. It's an AI. It's not really not really the mother. I guess the, the girls think it's their mother they're talking to, but it's actually an AI. Yeah. And uh, he says, uh, he, "You know, does she have a sister? Yes, she's on the artifact." And and um, and then Picard says, "Well, why 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 is she there?" And he says, "To find the truth." So obviously. You know, Picard says, because the Romulans are, you know, lies upon lies, and the Romulans are in on this, and he says, well, no, the Federation's also in on it, and... Mm-hmm. uh so he leaves. Uh, he he. You know, leaves him to rest and that kind of stuff. And and uh, he Agnes is there with him. Well, first we have a little uh, when little, he's talk-
2: little data bit there where where uh, he he cuts back to uh, Rios, right? He, he, yes, cuts back to there. Yeah. yeah, and then says, you know, what are we going to do about our stowaway? Well, before that, he says, you know, Romulan
1: space that doubles my fee. Yeah. That seems to be his line. Yeah, I mean, something something. <laughs> Gets more complicated, doubles his fee. Yeah, to which Picard kind of shrugs and goes, "Yeah, whatever." Yeah, uh, I got lots, lots of gold plus, plus platinum. You know,
2: yeah.
1: somewhere I don't can know I, where he's keeping the. Can gold, I trade you in wine? Latin. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Agnes is now talking to Maddox, and and uh, he sa- he says, "I thought I was dreaming. I didn't think you were here." And, and she says, "I never thought I'd see you again." And and he says to Maddox, says to her on his what turns out to be deathbed, uh, "Did you see her? Did you ever get a chance to meet Dodge? And you know the the two girls are imperfectly perfect, like mm-hmm. they're just you know exactly what we wanted them to be. And he says to her something to the effect of "Your contribution was essential," and um, you know. Uh, and she says, "Great, that's one more thing I have to atone for." And then the the EMH pops in again, and he goes, "What's the nature of your psychotic emergency uh, to her?" Um, and then then the, as he realizes that she's punching the buttons to turn off life support or whatever it is that she's doing to. Uh, to Maddox, and uh, she says to him, she dismisses the EMH, and she says, "I wish I, I wish you knew what I know, and I wish you didn't know. I wish I didn't know what I know, and I wish they hadn't shown me." And that, at which point uh, Maddox dies, and the episode ends. So we we to have to find out. Why would Agnes come all this way to kill him? What is it that he, what kind of hold did he have on her? You know, is this another Me Too kind of thing
2: or what's going on? You know, well, uh, the, the, it was the line for me I thought was interesting. She, she, the way he phrased it was, Your, your, it was you, it was Sung and I and you. Yeah, and then yeah. he says your contribution was essential, and my my first thought went to biological donation of some kind, like with maybe. Eggs. Yeah, I kind
1: of thought the same thing. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, like they kind of look like her.
2: Yeah, like with they like tissue, tissue samples or or you know uh, ovum or you know yeah. Or is she? I wonder a replicant. I wonder. Yeah. You know? Mm. Yeah.
1: Hmm. Hmm. This could go a lot of different ways. Jaime's sitting there in the quiet lurking again. I'm
0: trying to not be spoilery because I, for those of you who don't follow the show too closely, um, I live in the United States, which means I absolutely watched the Super Bowl. That would be the championship game for the (laughs) National Football League in America.
2: Uh
1: And there was
0: uh, some trailer stuff that came out. I don't actually remember if it was during the game or in like the lead up to the game or the, you know, after the game stuff.
1: That goes beyond these
0: episodes? Well, they showed like a 30-second trailer for Star Trek Hard. you know, go join CBS All Access and watch it. Yeah. And they showed a very brief clip. I mean, it's like half a second, if that, um, that you see something that that we haven't seen yet in
1: the show. I think I saw that trailer, but yeah, yeah, go on.
0: So so I can't speak to the contribution, but I can speak to the the guilt part that she's feeling about... you know, I really wish they hadn't shown me, and I wish I didn't know what I know.
1: Well, I really wish they hadn't shown you, because you're not telling us. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do
0: you guys want me to? I, I,
1: can, I can tell. So
0: Yeah, I, so I'm you know, pretty sure
1: I saw, I think I might have seen the commercial during, because I kind of just, I kind of like, whenever I see, oh, look, another another trailer thing, I don't, sometimes I don't want to spoil it myself, so I don't actually look at it, but now I'm curious. Now you got me got me curious. Because you're right, there are there are some scenes that we haven't seen yet, Right. Like I think, I think everything that was in the original trailer. So far, we've seen like mm-hmm. you know, the scene with Seven walking down and firing two phasers in both hands. That was in tonight's episode, you mm-hmm. know. Um, yeah. So I think I don't think there's anything we haven't seen in the the original trailer. But yeah, so go ahead, tell us what you what you saw.
0: So this the one that I saw, and where I was pretty um, pretty suspicious of uh, Doctor Girardi for like since the Super Bowl, and certainly in this episode before okay. uh, bad things happened. Um, because they show us a little bit more of what happened between Dr. Gerardi and oh, uh, Commodore. Really? O. Mm-hmm. Oh, Commodore. Um, o. Okay, okay. Back on, on uh, Okinawa at the Daystrom Institute, or I guess the park or something that she was at nearby. Yeah. Uh, that it, it appears from, again, the very half second we saw that maybe there was like a mind meld that happened to show like, Hey, here's what we know. Check mm. out this, this cool thing that oh, we know, really? th- this oh. dark secret. And that's why Gerardi's like, Completely messed up, and she says, "Right, uh, this is something I have to atone for. Right, mm. like I have to atone for killing you right now, <laughs> and I also have to atone for my contribution to the creation of these terrible creatures. And we don't mm. know why they're terrible. I mean, we've we've seen hints from like the uh, Ramda um, parts and everything, but there's still more secret to be
1: unravelled here. Mm-hmm. Well, there's the whole born aspect of these guys, right? Yeah, that they have this mm-hmm. parliamentary and candidate kind of thingy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting, well, I'll let you guys talk about this now that I've done all the talking well, I think the <laughs> the one that had
0: me just busting out laughing uh, and it was so appropriate was uh, my 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 future costume for you know someday in the future when I visit Paris and, and go around France and Saying that this,
2: <laughs> this is a war crime.
0: Because <laughs> I have a, a freaking beret. <laughs> what did you say that? You didn't say that line, but no, the, you probably. know,
2: Captain Ritchie <laughs> McIpatch.
0: Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Jean <laughs> yeah, Luc Picard who is the you know very strong British accent, but you know <laughs> speaks French and it, it has a chateau in France. Mm-hmm. Uh, leaned really heavily into the the, the yes. absurd. Um, oh yeah every you're stereotype yeah 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 that was a very enjoyable
2: light-hearted part for what's you know a pretty dark episode mm-hmm. and all things being equal like he took a real back seat in this episode right uh patrick stewart yeah, yeah. i mean he's well, do you know there was not no, there a lot
1: there was no scene on the artifact this time
2: no there wasn't you're right yeah uh, it was uh, yeah, yeah. yeah i mean it's good i don't think it would have done any service to this episode if they'd taken it away right yeah yeah there was lots of little uh, little easter eggs through this one too did you guys catch all the all the fun stuff i mean you, you mentioned the quark uh they mentioned at one point uh when they sit down at the beginning of the episode when maddox is meeting with bejazel and she says you know help yourself to some tronya, right Tronya is of course from left the 10th episode of star Trek was, was, do you remember the, the one with little, little, uh, uh, what's his name? Ron Howard's little brother.
1: Oh, really? Oh yeah. Did you remember? Oh, he Clint, Clint Howard. Clint Clint Howard.
2: He it? says, we must drink. This is Tranya. I hope you relish it as much as I, ah, I that. <laughs> that's a, that's a neat callback. That was well, a neat callback a couple times. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Quark a couple times. Um, yeah, and, they, and the free cloud stuff was kind of interesting too. The the they, um, <laughs> I have my notes in here. So they they say at one point, free cloud, maximum security, financial and information services, minimal restrictions on personal liberty. I thought that was an interesting way of phrasing that. So it's basically Vegas. Um, yeah, yeah, and then. Uh, later on, they say, uh, "Oh, I have written down." They forgot to install their pop-up blocker when they when they arrive, right? The pop-ups. <laughs> yeah, crazy. Yeah. There was a nice little uh, moment. So, when, uh, early in the episode, when Rafi arrives, as you mentioned, she had a different mission, right? So she's looking at this transparent screen where she see you see that she's looking for somebody. And if you you pause the screen, you can see it says Gabriel Wong. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. But there's actually other details you can pick up on that screen if you happen to be I don't know, say like an obsessive compulsive. And you Uh uh, notice that it says that he was born on Mars. Oh, really? Mm. Mm. So, um... I don't, I I have a feeling we might get the data download in there somewhere down the line that uh, one of the reasons why Gabriel might be mad is that maybe his dad was from from Mars and may have been there during that attack.
1: Yeah. Maybe he was one of the school kids with the two girls, right?
2: Yeah. Or something like that. Now, again, he, he, he he doesn't make it clear the timeline of what happens with his father. Um, He mentions his dad, you know, you should have been there for me me and dad. So I don't know how that relates, but it, sounds like at some point like if he was born on Mars obviously there's a connection there and I think that's gonna come back around on why she was so obsessed with this and like maybe these people that we saw in that episode get killed by the by the synth were friends or something like it it, to me it just seems like a nice little, well, again, a little taste of something that might come back and pay off in the end.
1: Well, he's a survivor, so obviously that's going to be a, an issue. Because I think that people who were on Mars and survived, because because don't you remember, like in that sort of um, short track, the two girls all of a sudden mm-hmm. become fast friends because of the what happens, which again, is surprising. Yeah, but I, I could definitely
0: see where um, you know, so so folks do end up like with like survivor's guilt, but they can also have other kinds of guilt that he feel um and anger and i could see where in the future here we might learn that um rafi maybe gave up being on mars you know to be with uh, her son and her uh, and his father mm-hmm. specifically to go you know with picard to do this grand uh save the romulans thing and he might feel very angry about that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right like i could see that right. coming up in the future and that's not unreasonable right like that's a very emotional thing that if you you could perceive that like you know, your, your protective parent figure wasn't there for you in the time of, of agony for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The um, question
2: though, why would the sun go to free cloud? I, I don't think they really make it clear. He's, he doesn't look like obviously he's Starfleet. Um, and
1: well, free cloud seems to like sort of, uh, you know, yeah. like you said, like it's full of hucksters and, and well, the, the, the and sign on the parties. building
2: when she said at first she says he's in a medical facility, right? She says, you know, oh, I've, I've tracked him down. Yeah, he's in yeah. a medical facility in the medical district. But then when he gets there, uh, when she gets there to meet him, he's inside the Free Cloud Family Planning Center, which right. yeah. Yeah. maybe it's because that's the nearest doctor they could get to from wherever it is they are, right? And like, right,
1: yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, and yeah. And again, we mentioned that uh, the little, little, very tantalizing little detail that he throws out about uh, the conspiracy that she harbors. And he accuses her of being obsessed and, you know, tell me about this, mom, tell me about this. And then throws out that line about the Conclave of Eight. Um, obviously we know, uh, from her backstory that we've gotten so far for the first few episodes that she was obsessed with all this stuff and continues to be obsessed with all this stuff. She does say, uh, in a previous episode that she is absolutely convinced that there was a conspiracy and is absolutely convinced that the, the Federation was involved in the conspiracy. Right. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what this, this new, uh, sort of mysterious conclave may have to do with all this, but yeah, it's too, too on the nose and too. Clearly convoluted of a term to be a throwaway, right? Right. Yeah. Um, the 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 way that seven of nine dispatches Bechazel was particularly graphic too. I don't recall mm-hmm. phasers working like that. It looked very disruptory. Yeah. Just look, yeah. Yeah. Like she turns into a mist, which mist. Yeah. Like it wasn't like. I fall down and my, like she was vaporized. That was yep. pretty graphic for, for Star Trek standards, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's sort of the modern equivalent of what come to mind are, um, I think Rathacon
2: mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm.
0: and Star Trek A couple people get vaporized, and then also from TNG, um, when those those aliens had infiltrated the like the little like bug parasite aliens that invaded the Federation, Mm -hmm. and Picard and and Riker, not vaporized, but like kablooey a a dude, a a Mm -hmm.
1: commodore or admiral or something.
2: Yeah, Yeah, yeah. We seek peaceful coexistence.
1: But in the original series didn't people disappear when they got phasered, right? They did. They did. But
2: they did. I think I think that was
1: a way of like not showing blood and guts on the yeah. on the The show, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah, and even by the time they got to this sort of TNG era, a lot of it was like, you know, if you're hit with a stun setting, you just sort of slumped. If you're hitting with a uh, uh, not stun setting, then you uh, tended to sort of slump in a different way. But like the Federation weapons weren't disintegrators, right? They were. uh, It's basically like neurological damage that kills you, not uh, necessarily death by fire. The other one that sort of popped into my mind during that particular death, because she seemed like she died screaming, was the episode where the collector steals data, right? And he has the the rare disruptor that is supposed to be the most excruciating death of, of all types of disintegrator weapons, and they banned it. Um, because when, yeah, when, you know, in that episode, the guy kills his... I think wife or partner, and she dies screaming. And this one, when with uh, seven, sort of says, "You know, that's it for you." And and vaporizes. Uh, uh, it, it just yeah, she, she sort of goes up in a puff of smoke, and and it didn't look like a lot of fun. Um, yeah, then did,
0: did did she look like like if they recast TNG, she would clearly play
2: Counselor Troy. Yeah, yeah. I I had in my notes. I wonder if she was supposed to be a Betazoid. So I come
1: back to a couple of questions. Like, so did you notice Icheb's br- nose, like bridge of his nose, like when they showed a profile of him on the table? Did you realize it was? Did you think it was Icheb at the time, or part of the same race?
2: Um, no, it did. It did, wasn't immediately it, like within a. You know, 20 seconds into the scene, I think it was a little mm-hmm. closer. I would uh, also I took a look to try and confirm it. And, and I was sort of right in my suspicion because at the time. I thought it doesn't really look like each of now. Again, it's been 20 years. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. fair enough. But it turns out it was not the original actor, so that is obviously you can put a person in makeup, but then, you know, obviously they're ripping his eyeball out and he's supposed to be covered in blood and everything else. But uh, the original actor's name was Manu uh, Inturyami, and um, this part was played by an actor named Casey King. So that, I think, was a bit of a, I mean, obviously it would be, kind of suck for the original actor to be like, hey, come on back. We're going to kill you in a scene that takes, you know, 30 seconds.
1: Well, I was going to say, so ne- the next question is, what about the guy who played Maddox? Is that the same person? No, I, I looked I up on IMDb so, right? to see if it was the same guy and it's not. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because he doesn't seem to last throughout the whole episode either. No. Right. right. No. Right. Which I is feel... kind of hmm? weird, don't you think?
2: That's not the same actor?
1: I mean, like, I, I was, it's funny, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I was thinking as we were recording, I didn't say it at the time but like... You know, the second season of, of um, where was it? The second season of Discovery, or the one we just finished watching was Search for Spock, right? Um, this is like Search for Spock again, but now we're searching for Maddox, but, or I guess we're looking for Searching for Soji, but, mm-hmm. you know, it seems kind of uh, uh, anticlimactic that they find this guy. They have like a couple of words with him, and then he's basically written off the show, right? So.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think he was almost the, the red herring or the or the MacGuffin of it too, right? The yeah, I yeah. think it was supposed to be like I thought it was particularly telling and I, I actually did sort of tweak know uh, you guys are gonna Bust me about it. I I did kinda of tweak that that um Agnes was acting weird throughout the whole thing and I thought, well maybe she is gonna do this something. The whole episode of the whole show. No, just this episode. I thought when no, she, when okay. she had that first panic attack, I was like, Yeah, the psychotic episode, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I thought like maybe there's more here than meets the eye, and then as mm. they built that tension towards um uh, uh that and like even from the first time they showed that hollow, I was like, hmm. That is interesting. I wonder how this is going to pay off and sort of have my, my ears up about that. But um, yeah, I, I, I got a like particularly suspicious in the scene where Picard is talking to Maddox towards the end and Maddox is in bad shape. They say he's got massive abdominal hemorrhaging and he's, you know, in bad shape. From being tortured by the by the the mobsters. And um in one sentence he confirms both that Soji exists and where she is. I was like, Well, you're done. You're done. <laughs> hey, put a red shirt on him. Like, the second that you give them <laughs> everything they need in one sentence, you yeah. are not making it out of this episode. There was no way he was gonna live past that moment. Yeah, I'm like, dude, okay. that is too much plot exposition at one spot, you are done. So as soon as he was like Picard, this, and then, uh, and then as soon as um, uh, Agnes says to him, you know, you should go and leave him alone. I'm like, yeah, okay. He's getting a pillow over the face. There's just no way this is gonna, <laughs> you know,
1: say goodnight, Gracie. Pillow. This one's
2: over. You the know? Holographic, the holographic pillow over the yeah, face. Yeah. And then speaking of un- unpleasant deaths, it did not look like Mister Maddox or Doctor Maddox particularly enjoyed his uh, his demise either. Demise. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like a really interesting uh, episode. I, as you say, it, it really focused on this mission. Again, I've liked this, um, this. What about the
1: Hippocratic Oath? That's what
2: I want to know. She's not. A, she's not a medical doctor.
1: Oh, so she's she's okay. It's okay for her to kill people. Well, okay, it's God. not
2: okay for her to kill people, but she doesn't have the the do no harm, right? Like, right? Um, yeah, I, I, I did think I really Let's remember in... that about Mark, eh? I mean, yeah, <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. It's like, it's like
1: oh man, we're gonna dig so hard in the Mark. It's like, so Mark, you. Uh... You don't have a specific
0: ethical
2: oath not to hurt <laughs> people, huh? <laughs> um, I did think it was a good storytelling method. And they did this the last episode. I think we made a note of it uh, last week the, where they did that sort of um, unveil of two pieces of things happening over time. So last episode, it was the one where... Uh, we were getting the information about Soji being the uh, destroyer mm-hmm. as it was mm-hmm. playing out in on the opposite side of the galaxy with Picard and that. This one where they were going back and forth between outlining the mission and the mission taking place again. I, right. Uh, give credit where credit's due. Frakes is a good director. Like it's it, It's a really well made episode. Like it really has some pace and the story flowed really well. Like it was. It was good television.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I like that. I like that, too, because she kind of they do that sort of Ocean's Eleven thing where they're yep. explaining what they're going to do and they're doing it and yep. then they're going to explain some more what they're going to do and they're doing whereas you know I, don't, yep. I can't remember if they did that in Ocean's Eleven or if that's the sort of vehicle but same sort of so, same sort of storytelling where yeah it's, it's the of, heist you know, movie
2: right it's the it's the yeah no you're right it's uh it was but it, but done well like that, that can be very hackneyed it can be very um very poorly executed and this wasn't it was uh it made for a very entertaining episode and it did have you know some peaks and valleys again the scene between Raffi and her son the scene between maddox and gerardi um you know there's some depth to this episode too but then to sort of balance that out against uh, uh you know elnor and his uh, you know complete you know lack of understanding and buckard's over the top accent and um you know the rios is again a very he's starting to become a very uh, enduring and charming character the little lines that come out of him too um, yeah, again, I think um, this is one of the episodes that stands out to me by far for now. All right. I enjoy where Seven's
0: character has gone because to me, it makes a lot of sense given her sort of character growth and arc in Voyager. And when you think back to all of those episodes where she was butting heads with like balana or captain janeway it this is pretty much in line with her character of like being very pragmatic um saying it makes sense to kill this person we should just kill this person yep (laughs) sort of stuff yep And, and and yet also having that uh uh, that sort of mothering aspect like she had with Naomi Wildman and, and Icheb and, you know, a poor one out for the Borg baby that they put into a desk drawer <laughs> and never talked about again. <laughs> um, and, and, and the, the sense of Borg justice. Baby? That, yeah. The, the Borg baby when, when they, they got all the, the Borg children. Like I think a couple of the younger ones, girls I think, or, or a girl and a boy, very quickly they reunite them with their parents, and each episode sort of stays along longer. But there was a little Borg baby that they never, like they just forgot about. Like <laughs> this is a sitcom, this yeah. family You would have been taken up the you know, upstairs and then never come (laughs) back downstairs. That's right. Right. (laughs) So, so for her being part of the Fenris Rangers made a lot of sense to me. They're like, yeah, I, I don't think she could live normal sort of federation life. I think she would.
2: Uh, see That's what's a, happening, sort of like Strider in the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, mm. yeah, seen yeah, seen yeah. too many hard times. I, I do wonder though. So, uh, Jaime, I know you were you were uh, you know more invested, I think, in, in Voyager than Tim was, but they had that sort of weird, uh, incongruous plot in the last season of Voyager where Seven and Chakotay became an item, right? Mm-hmm. D- mm-hmm. Didn't. F- fit. In my estimation, you may disagree. For me, it seemed very contrived and weird and didn't really fit with the arc of either of those characters that that would sort of play. out. I think they were just trying to sort of up weird ends or something, or they were just running out of ideas by the end of season seven. But, um, I, you know, they leave Voyager. The only character we've seen from Voyager, uh, as Tim mentioned earlier, post, uh, the end of that series is Janeway Arrives as Admiral Janeway in one little snippet in, uh, in, in one of the, the TNG movies. um, I wonder where Chakotay is and what happened with their relationship. Was he a ranger? Like, what happened there? To me, the rangers also speak to the Maquis, right? Which which was where Chakotay came from, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. There is one more thing I forgot in my my, uh, explanation of the show, and that was... Just before Seven leaves, she uh, and she's about to go grab the disruptor, she says to Picard over her shoulder, when you got away from the Borg, were you able to mm. regain your humanity? And he said, yes. And she
2: says, all of it? And he says, no. And he whispers it to her, too. He, he, he yeah, she says yeah. very quietly, no. Like, it, yeah, again, a beautiful scene between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's an
1: interesting, Because I mean, again, again, like until Rios mentioned that you know Picard used to be Borg. That's something that I forget,
2: right? Mm-hmm.
1: So, because did that ever like uh, manifest itself in? I know it manifested itself in in the first contact, or but not first contact?
2: Um, yeah, no, it was first contact is where it really comes to it. Yeah. Like chasing the Borg. Yeah, chasing the Borg. Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, because yeah, it starts with him and Locu- as lacutus, Yeah,
2: yeah, they did. I, One of the episodes, and again, it was sort of a weird one because it was very, um, obviously, non sci fi episode, but the episode that follows after the two-part, Locutus of Borg, you know, big monster two-parter season finale slash season opener, uh, is the one where he's dealing with that and he's back home at uh, Chateau Picard with his brother. And, you know, he is really wrestling with, you know who am I and do I want to be the person I was before? And, you know, can I get back in the uniform and go out in space and stuff like that? And, and, um, they don't don't dwell on it a lot after that. Certainly it does come up during Borg related episodes going forward, but um but yeah, they re- the that episode I thought was particularly good. It almost felt a little too soon, like in a way. Like they sort of went from like big big crossover to like that and then it's just like back to the adventure of the week. It, it felt like he would have it been nice to have him sort of have a breakdown or something at some point or, or something oh, that yeah. would have fed up. Well, that I better. mean they
1: do have the episode with the Borg Queen coming back and it's not Alice Craig, right?
2: Mm mm-hmm. Mhm. You know,
1: so that there was that whole interesting plot scenario with data and, uh, and Picard, right. And mm-hmm, her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Good show.
2: Yeah. It's I, it's picking up steam. I like it.
1: Mm-hmm. So I have a question. So again, another, I, I can't remember if I missed Dr. Who this week or I saw it and it just didn't mean that much to me. I, I have
2: much. also not watched Dr. Who this week because I was, uh, obviously I was away uh, for work, but I know I saw a lot of spoilers online for what happened. So,
1: um, just I think I watched it. I can't remember. Like it was so uneventful. My mind you, my PVR has been messed up, and it's been missing Doctor Who and stuff like that. Anyway, I think we're down to two more episodes,
2: right? Yeah, yeah. They're, yeah. I think they're getting into what we had teased uh, previously. Oh, this is the one with
1: the Cyber guy. The, yeah, the
2: robot man, the Cyberman, right?
1: Cyber guy, yeah. the lone Cyberman that. that yeah. um, What's his name warned him of? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I remember now. Captain Jack. Yeah. Did you watch Doctor Who at all? Maybe? No, I'm a behind? few episodes behind. I was looking to see. So I got about
0: halfway through episode six, which is Praxeus. I've not seen seven, which is Can You Hear Me? And I definitely have not mm-hmm. seen eight, which is The Haunting of Villa Diodati. Oh,
1: yes. Yeah. So they go back to Mary Shelley Frankenstein. That's yeah, That's the one I remember now. Yeah. Yeah,
2: I had just chance to watch that one. Yeah. Typical dumb Doctor Who episode <laughs> well, apparently, till the end, because apparently the end is it ties with ties into this sort of finale two parter thing that they're going to do, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. All righty, let's uh, let's move on to the watch list. What you got? I think mine is rather well timed. It
0: is a YouTube video by Steve Shives called. Mm-hmm. Uh, why Seven of Nine is actually more than just eye candy. And he covers her character's role uh, in about 30 minutes in Voyager. And if, you know, you weren't around to see Voyager or don't remember what happened there, um, Voyager was in the context of um, sort of the the waning of Trek interest from the general mainstream public, uh, certainly from the highs of TNG, uh, you know, even ds Nine. As a a, quite a significant drop down in terms of mainstream acceptance at the the time that it aired and uh, Voyager sort of continued that and Voyager had the extra sort of pressure that it was launching the UPN television network on, on the airwaves. So there's a lot of investment in the idea of, you know, this thing needs to sizzle. This thing needs to put butts in seats watching and seeing commercials and stuff like that. So in the fourth Season, well, I I guess technically the end of the third. uh, The seven and nine character is introduced, and they chose Jerry Ryan, sort of very cynically, as like this is the pair of boobs that will make people interested in watching this show. Because they wrote
2: out the less um, statuesque uh, uh, actor who was playing Cass to do that, right? Yeah, the very the very
0: live elf woman (laughs) they got Mm -hmm. rid of to get the you know much more sort of traditionally sexy uh, actress on there. And it's, uh, you know, to the discredit of the producers for doing this, and it's enormous credit to the writers for writing a good character, despite what they were like, you know, shoved down their throats and enormous credit to Jerry Ryan for doing a very good job of portraying this complicated character uh, with a lot of subtlety, given that she's largely supposed to be unemotional and robotic, having been uh, Mm a former Borg Mm -hmm. and seeing her sort of, blossom out of that and then you know projecting out to her character that we just saw in this episode mm-hmm. um, is amazing and i think if you're not familiar with that backstory or have kind of forgotten, i think watching this video during lunchtime or something and steve shive does a pretty good job of of covering that
2: cool nice cool i did think the uh, one line that we we didn't talk about is t- when they were doing that little bit of data download between rios and raffi when Rios, when Raffi keeps adding to the tally of, you know, oh, that she was, you know, seven of nine from the Delta Quadrant and she, he just keeps adding it on and he keeps saying it over again. It's just like, it's like, it's like a repetitious study homework, right? For the, for the people who are like, oh, that's right. She's from the Delta Quadrant. She's a seven of nine. She's a Borg. She was attacked a a t- as a child and put into the collective. It was really funny the way he kept delivering those lines where he's just like mm-hmm. committing it to his memory, saying the lines over again and committing it to his memory again funny performance
0: yeah yeah uh i found it a little bit funny uh it's sort of meta here that the on the interwebs some folks were like hey but like wouldn't the crew of voyager be like this you know celebrity case and everything like i'm sure they would be but that was like 20 years ago and and look at at rios's age go find a random 10 year old like right now just just (laughs) search the streets of your neighborhood and find one and tell them hey you know who Farrah Fawcett is, right? Like everybody or has her poster. People
1: on Gilligan's Island. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Yeah. This kids be like,
0: who the hell is that? I mean, I can Google who she is, but I don't know who she is. And then they're like, Oh yeah, yeah. I think I've seen that image somewhere. Right. Like it'll trigger the memory. So they, you know, they have that public consciousness, but certainly not like uh, how could, you know, people not know who she is sort of thing. It's, it'll, it'll depend.
2: Yeah. 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 Where it's funny because everybody says the famous Captain Picard, right? Like or Admiral Picard, everyone knows who he is because yeah. he was a massive public figure.
0: Right. Right
1: yeah
2: all right i got a couple of things on the watch list this week uh the first one is uh is an easy one so by the time uh you'll be hearing this clone wars star wars clone wars will have returned uh on disney plus uh it is arriving on uh friday the 21st of february uh yeah. for its now final season which we uh uh, you know, those of us are fans of the show. It was, you know, kind of disappointing the way they ended it. It came around the merger uh, or acquisition by Disney uh, of the uh, Lucasfilm properties, and uh, they decided that they wanted to go a different direction. They canceled the show, and it really never did get the proper send-off it deserved. Uh, now, under the guidance of Dave Filoni, who, of course, is, uh, you know, one of the master creators of you know, Mandalorian and Clone Wars and Rebels, um and really one of the architects of the modern Star Wars uh universe has gone back and is going to tell us, uh, bring us right to the end of the Clone Wars. He's going to tell us, uh, you know, what happens with all these characters that we've come to care about. That especially were created for this show, like uh, Ahsoka and Captain Rex, and and we did see later on how some of those characters um, sort of lived their lives further in Rebels. But again, it's still it would be really nice to get a little bit of, of closure on some of those uh, characters and stories that uh, that we left behind. So very excited about that. There also they are doing this in the very same way that they did it with Mandalorian. It's week to week. They're not doing a uh, download dump uh, a la Netflix, so it will be doled out one at a time. Uh, so you do have some time if you want to take the time to catch up or watch some key episodes. There's a lot of good articles online that I've seen this last week saying, you know, here's 10 uh, key episodes to watch to sort of get yourself ready for watching season seven. Um, in, like most TV shows, you don't have to get, you don't have to watch every single episode to get the, the overarching things that will get you to where you need to go. So. Um, yeah, it's it's great to see the show back and I'm excited to uh, to get back into that world.
1: Can you give us a link for that one that's um, the top ten to watch?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I'll find one. I'm going to put it in our show notes, folks.
1: It'll save me having to go sit through all the episodes I haven't watched yet. <laughs>
2: It's not for you folks. It's for Tim. Um, the other thing that I wanted to flag was uh, we got a new trailer today for Westworld season three. We'd already had a, a, a couple of looks at this so far. They were a little more abstract, a little less sort of about the characters, a little more just sort of, you know, giving you a sense of the world that they're in, uh, a look at the faces and stuff like that. This is the first one where we would sort of get a sense of, of you know, what's happening, where we're at. Um You know, for those who watch the show, obviously, it it does have the sort of progression of these uh, both human and robotic characters. Um, And uh, it's interesting in a parallel as we're now watching um, this about um uh, artificial people in Star Trek obviously the uh, artificial people in Westworld and their evolution is a very interesting uh, storyline as well uh in this one yeah we really get a sense of of you know what's life outside of Westworld and and what's the world like and how would those uh artificial uh, people exist in that world It looks very Blade Runner-y, it has a real sort of, you know, future imperfect kind of vibe to it. Um, It's a little Matrix-y, it's a little little Blade Runner-y, but it certainly is also within the aesthetic that's been created a little bit around Westworld for the first two seasons. Uh, It looks slick, and uh, so we know now that it's going to be debuting on March 15th, uh, which is not too far off, and... uh, they do hint, they do deliver the line in the show. They mentioned the end and the, the you know, final, the end it's a couple of times. I hadn't heard that this was going to be a final season and I don't know that that's been confirmed. I don't know if you guys have heard anything about that either, but um, yeah, I wonder if they're just sort of setting this up for a climactic battle. It has a sort of tone of, of a climax to it. Mm-hmm.
0: I, don't know anything specific but it would it would make sense to me like you said given the tone and i'm definitely a fan of you know, ending things before they wear out their welcome, sort of thing, and have a nice tight story arc from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. So uh, it'd be you know a bummer on the one hand because I do enjoy the show, but on the other hand, I'd rather you know see it go out in its prime,
2: so to speak. Yeah, and for you, I may, my friend from the uh, Pacific North Northwest. One of the people that seems to be in the trailer, and I've, I've looked it up um because I, it was one of those. I think you blink and you miss it. Marshawn Lynch is in that trailer. <laughs> Oh really? I I didn't have a chance to see the trailer. I didn't really Marshawn <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Go back and have a look. Um yeah I was like, huh, I what? And then I looked it up and uh sure enough I looked there's a, a Seahawks um uh message board where people are like, Hey, did everybody else see? <laughs> and sure enough, <laughs> Marshawn Lynch seems to have yeah. a role in uh in the next season of Westworld, so... For those of us transporting at home... Marshawn Lynch is a uh, is a uh, all-star caliber football player who played mm-hmm. for the Seattle Seahawks for a long time. And actually, he was back this year, was he not? He played towards the, in the playoffs. That's right. So, much beloved
0: uh, Seahawks player. Uh, didn't start with the Hawks. Uh, I guess he might have ended... With the Hawks, depending on what, you know if he stays retired or not this uh, coming up season, mm-hmm. um, but definitely a, a a big part of their their win in the Super Bowl, um, uh, and and much beloved because of just how um, sort of eccentric he is, mm-hmm. uh, his his you know physical abilities as a player and his um, the way he sort of deals with uh, the media. And his yeah. need for privacy is, is very interesting, <laughs> so people love that about
2: him. Yeah. Legendary. Mm-hmm. Legendary.
1: Cool. All right. Well I guess that's it for another week. Uh Jaime, if people want to get in touch with you, where would they look? I'm on Twitter as at Dev for the Hair. And Jonathan, people want to get in touch with you.
2: I'm on Twitter and Instagram as at JPK News. Alrighty.
1: My name is Tim Mitra T I M M I T R A on the Twitter Machine is where you'll find me. Till next time, we'll see you in the future. Bye. 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 Three to beam up. Three to beam up.
2: There's <laughs> <laughs> never a pattern enhancer when you need one. Nope. You've been listening to the Spotcast Podcast.
1: This is CNN. What's that? Oh, I just thought the James Earl Jones thing was kind of cool. Oh, wrong show. Right. If you want to find
0: out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the Spotcast website at spotcast.com. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at SpotCast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpotCast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at Patreon.com slash SpotCast. You can find details on how to help us on our website, SpotCast.com sponsor us Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future.
2: Uh, I, wonder, I wanted to ask you guys, did you guys watch uh, Good Place, the finale of The Good Place? Are you guys caught up on that?
1: The finale of The Good
2: Place. I believe I did. Two yes. weeks ago was the was the, uh, the Yes, final, I did. This is the one
1: where Chidi where and her are looking at the beach and whatever.
2: Yeah, the, they basically have the, the option of going and becoming one with the universe uh, as opposed to staying in the good, the real, true good right. place. Right. Sorry, Jaime. I don't we... mean I'm spoiling it. I hope I'm not spoiling it for you.
0: No, no worries. I, um, I have only seen like an episode or two of that, but it's, it's one, Mm. I think that's on the list to go binge now that it is possible to do.
2: Yeah, I mean it's a pretty tight. I mean it's, it is. It's a typical television sitcom timing wise. It's twenty one or twenty two minutes uh, per episode. So I mean, you if you have the wherewithal, you can get through it in like five days. Like it's not a lot, um, but it's it's really worthwhile. It's uh, rarely do you find a show where there is such a clear sense of how much everybody involved loves it. Like it's just it's just dripping with with passion and enjoyment for everybody doing their parts and uh no show has a perfect ending you know there there is almost no example of a perfect finale to a show um this one included it's not perfect but it's certainly I think a fitting send-off and I think fits right in with exactly what Jaime was just saying about Westworld right sometimes it's really nice if they can go out on their own terms not overstay their welcome and just call it quits and I think in the decision to make only four seasons and whatever works out to think 53 episodes um, I think they kind of did it but yeah I think uh I think you're you're right Jaime I think right now the first three seasons are on Netflix and uh I think as that fourth season goes I think there's a large number of people who are going to fall down that rabbit hole because it's just all right there in front of you um, but it was fun I mean for, for four years I was a day oneer on, on the television um, they had me at Kristen Bell and Ted Danson and Mike Shure. of course uh, Mike Shure is the creator of the show he did uh, he was the co-creator of Brooklyn Nine-Nine he was the creator of Parks and Rec I mean he's a, a huge track record of making really entertaining and, and uh, interesting television shows so uh, I, w- I was in from the beginning but but, um, but it is going to be a great show for people to watch for a long time. I think it's it's pretty poignant and, and beyond poignant, it's damn funny.
0: I think that show and Better Call Saul are examples of shows that if I want to watch everything right now. I have to split across two different kinds of services. So really? uh, mm-hmm. like you mentioned, uh, The Good Place has three seasons on Netflix. The fourth um, should be available to me on demand from youtube tv for the season just finished and then better call saul has just added up through season four and season five is ongoing right now i think
2: yeah i think it started last week or this week maybe mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um it'll, yeah i mean it'll talk about great television i'm i'm i have not watched this week's episode yet uh, i love that show Man, is that ever good television! I didn't know how they were going to be able to compete with with Breaking Bad because Breaking Bad is amazing television. Uh, but Better Call Saul is—it's on par. Like it's—it's it's strange to say it because Breaking Bad is—is is, you know on such a high pedestal. But boy, it's a good show. It's a really good show. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm you know, like it's just it's just this perfect little balance of um you know seedy and gross, but uh, captivating the performances, the actors, the atmosphere it's just it it is just so rich you just you could just drown in it. it's just it's just such an amazing work a work of television.
0: other stuff I'm watching I am almost done with C and almost done with Servants on Apple TV+. Plus. Um, How are you liking them? Like and see, uh, loving Servant, just hmm. uh, especially. Uh, Ron Weasley, I can't remember, Rupert Grint, I think is his real name. <laughs>
1: Ron Weasley, yeah.
0: <laughs> Ron Weasley is <laughs> my favorite character from Servant. Um, really? How far yeah. into it are you? Uh, I think I have like an episode or two left. Right, right.
2: Hmm. Yeah. You already watched that, Tim? Yes, I
1: watched it already. Yeah. How'd you like it? It was good. Not very really, well. I mean, it was a bit M Night Shyamalan-ish,
2: but you know, um, but it was it was good. I just, uh, in the spirit of uh, having now had Arrow end on uh, on the in the DC uh, CW shows, I spent the last few weeks uh powering through and catching up on all the episodes of dc's legends of tomorrow mm-hmm. which i really did enjoy but last season i just i had too many different things on the go and i just sort of let it fall by the wayside so i caught up on about you know, 10 episodes in a row and it yeah. is again it's just it's 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 ridiculous it's such a stupid show but it's so much fun it is just this nonsensical romp through time and space it's like doctor who but with like buffoons doing it it's just it's, it's it's not high art but it's funny and it's it's certainly entertaining each week the nonsense they get up to in that again if you're a fan of the dc universe it's, it's just it's fun um and all that it was uh, available on crave and then uh, on rogers on demand in, in canada so like what you were saying jaime i had to go to two different sources to catch up on all these different bits and pieces but uh but it was nice to be able to catch up for not having to pay for it beyond my usual bills
0: yeah and So I watch Supergirl and Batwoman, and post the uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover, those two shows have done a pretty good job of dealing with the ramifications and the fallout from that. Um, I'm aware of of Arrow, of of, uh, Legends of Tomorrow and Flash. Dealt with the, the
2: implications? Yep, Arrow uh, only had, I think, a couple episodes after because obviously, spoiler, uh, spoiler, 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 spoilers, they wrap up that series for a particular reason based on the events of, of Crisis. Um, Flash and uh, Legends definitely both have a lot of fallout out of that. Um, particularly, some of the. Uh, I mean, I don't think it's a spoiler at this point. The idea is that it goes from being all these different worlds where these different heroes live on variations of Earth to now there is one Earth. They call it Earth Prime, right? So all of the heroes, including uh, Black Lightning, who was excluded from that as well, has now joined the same universe. Um, and Flash, yeah, Flash had a couple of really good, uh, you know, uh, looks at how different characters were impacted and, and the decisions that they made, and and the fact that because flash was very much tied into the idea of the multiverse they did a lot of character crossover um they the harrison wells character that they had was the actor changes characters pretty much every season to be a different version of this character from the different universes so the idea is that like all of those versions of that character are now dead and the last one that's alive is actually partially responsible for what happened and so there's all kinds of really good uh storylines to go down um and supergirl i think was is the one that i thought was was really well done I mean, you said you watched that as well i thought that that um They put some neat twists on on the status quo in that one, too, because um, uh, Luthor, Lex Luthor, who was a a real key player in that crisis story, um, took the time to rewrite a little bit of history as the world was coming together, too. So um, interesting ramifications in that world, too. I'm enjoying all of those series right now. Um, and, and Batwoman again, like a really interesting twist with, uh, her arch nemesis and, and how that all played out, uh, coming out of, out of the crisis too. So it's nice, a little sort of mid-season shake up where, you know, you know, the players, you know, the characters, but the status quo has sort of been disrupted is interesting. And, and of course, this is all building towards the end of the season for all these things. And then we're going to get a super Superman and Lois show in the fall too. So, um, one of the other things that happened on flash this week is we got another look at, um, uh, Diggle, who is, is, was one of the main characters on Arrow turned up on Flash and, um, is apparently going to be a recurring character on the Superman show. Um, and is there's a very clear indication that he is going to evolve into a very known, well-known dc superhero character on that show
0: oh okay i think i know who you're talking about now so he's going to be on that show he's not getting in his own show for no. that character
2: no i oh, think he's, he's going to be a supporting character on on because he he showed up on flash last week and he said uh in, in the wake of what happened in crisis he and his family are moving to metropolis
0: okay okay
2: and yeah you watch the crisis obviously the crisis crossover there's a a very strong hint that he is going to pick up the mantle of uh of a very famous uh uh well-known superhero from the dc universe so spoilers 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 it's (laughs) green (laughs) lantern
0: it'll take a lot of willpower to to not spoil this one (laughs) i was gonna say you and i could
2: dance around it all maybe a lot of fun (laughs) Yeah. yeah, no, I think uh, it, it'll be interesting to see how they sort of uh, keep these things rolling, too, because obviously Arrow was sort of the... the um the strong spine of of it that all the stuff has been built off of so um it'll be interesting to see how this this universe that they've built uh exists without it have you watched black
0: lightning i saw about half of the first season and then it just wasn't gripping me given other stuff i was watching but um i might have to give it a, a chance and, and go back and catch up
2: yeah i was the same way and 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 i like the character i i certainly read um um bunch of those books over the years um i watched this exact same way i watched about five episodes maybe six episodes of the first season and was like i'm gonna come back to this like i don't have enough time now but i'll come back and now they're into season three, and I'm like, damn, now I only have to catch up on that show. <laughs> but um, but I did like the 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 lead actor, and even some of the supporting characters. I thought were were pretty strong, even just that little snippet I had. I think uh, it, it, you're, it's probably one worth going back to at some point, especially now. uh, You know, when they do another crossover, it sounds like he's going to be part of the Super Friends, so it'll be uh, good to catch up a little bit and go for a nap. No, I'm still here. Oh, there you are. <laughs> Never a good sign. What's what's going on, Tim? No, I
1: just. Trying to deal with this ticket master nonsense.
0: Rage against the machine and their ridiculous prices for their new tour.
2: Ah, uh, That that bothered me. What do you mean? They put their tickets on sale. Uh for the new, they're, they're reunited and they're going out on tour. Yeah. So here in the GTA, they're playing Hamilton and they're playing two shows in Toronto. But w- w- but whether you're on the floors or you're in the last row of the upper deck, the cost is the same. There's no variation on ticket cost. So uh tickets to be down on the floors, which is all wide open at, uh, at uh, Scotiabank Arena in Toronto, where the Raptors mm-hmm. and the Leafs play. Uh, is $190 Canadian plus, you know, whatever. If you want to sit anywhere on the lower bowl, it's $190 a ticket. If you want to sit off angle, it's 100 $190 a ticket. If you want to sit in the upper deck, $190 a ticket. So people were complaining there's no graduated system. It's not like it's, there's, there's like, lower price points if you are a big fan but you can't necessarily afford um, premium ticket prices there's no other entry point so either you pay what it costs and you go but then you know that if you're in the upper deck you're paying the same amount as the people are down the floors so then it builds a lot of frustration that you know you you're sitting in a less advantageous spot even though you paid the same amount so and as my understanding they did that across the board Uh, Jaime I think that's that's the case across the board.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I wasn't interested enough to go, but I did hear people talking about the prices and I didn't, I, I just knew the prices were really high. I didn't realize the nuance of how they were high.
2: Yeah. They, they did have special spots that were sort of set aside and reserved. I believe they're um, related to a charity. So they are selling sort of prime spots throughout different venues and you can pay Uh, You know, I think it's something very expensive, $500 or something and get, you know, better spots. Um, with the remainder of the cost of that ticket going to a, a charity cause, which is, again, it's noble in its way, but I don't think that really helps for people who, uh, you know, I think one of the appeals of going to a show is, you know, if you are a large fan of something and you want to, you know, pay the premium, you can obviously uh, get closer to the stage and, and have a different experience. But if you are a, a casual fan, you might want to sit in the upper deck just to be there to enjoy a night of music. Or, you know, you may not have the means, but you're a big fan. You may be able to afford, you know, a lower cost ticket if you aren't necessarily down front. So it's a strange pricing policy from a socialist uh, collective to to do that. I think if you're going to make one price, shouldn't that price be low?
0: Yeah, that would certainly be an easier sell. It'd be like, man... You know, the dude who's up front in the first row is paying 20 bucks. Yeah, but your ticket's also 20 bucks, you know? You got in there a little earlier, it worked. But instead, just accept the fact that it's cheap.
2: Yeah, and I don't know how it worked in every other market. I I did look at tickets in a couple of the different areas around here, and um, there was no pre-sales. There was no, you know, you have a special credit card so you can get in sooner. There was no, you're a member of the fan club. or All of it just seemed to drop, like, whole, whole cloth in one Callmans for for rage, yeah. Yeah, it was basically like this time, this day. Anyone who wants to go, these are the venues. These are the prices. Go, um, which is a bit of a strange method of. Again, it it seems a little um, unusual. Did you guys ever watch Fringe? Yeah, long time ago. Did you enjoy Fringe?
1: Uh, I did until like the third season or whatever, the final season.
2: Well, we went five Probably seasons. Healthy. Five seasons, dude.
1: Well, yeah, okay, five seasons. And it was it was like it was it was interesting. The first like two three seasons was really good, mm-hmm. and then when they tried to. Sub up the the like to give it some like when it had mystery to it it was really cool but as they started to sort of you know get closer to the end and they had to sort of make it make sense it kind of got you know
2: weird yeah yeah that's that's one of those ones I, I see it pop up on my you might like list all the time and i think like yeah i, I don't know if i would would i <laughs> i'm gonna sell my ticket to the beaches on sunday yeah you're go? sorry you said you yeah
1: i don't want to go you don't want to go well i mean you guys are going on saturday right we are going on saturday yeah yeah i got a sunday ticket, so
2: i was in uh ottawa the last few days and uh actually last night i was downtown and i realized they were playing downtown last night i was thinking oh, maybe oh really maybe i could see them twice in week week and i thought did you go no no, i didn't i I, in the end i was like you know what that's probably not a wise investment of of money i should probably just (laughs) be happy with the tickets i got to go see them in toronto yeah i'm just trying trying
1: to log into these different sites to try and sell them and i'm just back i've gone back to ticketmaster i've given up i'm just going to sell through ticketmaster Mm. but it's sold out right so i'm sure it'll sell right
2: yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, they're popular, especially this is the hometown, right? So, yeah. As well, how much do I want to sell it for? Uh, I don't know. They were sold, they were sold out um, from what I saw in Ottawa. Um, I, I looked at one point to see. I was like, I wonder if there's any tickets. And there was like tickets that were like 40 bucks. I was like, oh, maybe. And then I looked back later in the night and there was one ticket left and it was 160 bucks. I was like, well. For what? For the beaches in Ottawa. Oh, yeah? I was like, mm, no.
1: Hmm. So if I, I paid 42 bucks, if I sell it for 59, I get 50 bucks back. Fair. Mm-hmm. yeah but then if i want to buy a ticket for saturday then i'm going to pay more
2: right that's true yeah. again you can always put it up on the board you can't sell tickets online but you can put them up on like facebook marketplace and stuff too that that doesn't have rules kijiji has rules against tickets now but facebook marketplace doesn't seem to you can put it up on marketplace and say willing to trade for nights because there's always people who have things come up and really yeah
1: hmm. i tell you i a ticket for roger waters oh did you i did and then i also there's another band called brit brit floyd No, the Australian Pink Floyd band. Oh, okay. I've seen Brit Floyd before, but the Australian one's supposed to be really good. Hmm. There are tickets for them, too. They're playing at Danforth
2: oh yeah yeah feels like uh concerts have just been fast and furious this this last week and it's all it's funny there's a bunch of nostalgia bands i saw that uh it's a double bill coming to amphitheater that oh who was it it was corn yeah yeah i saw that one the other day and i can't remember who it was that's coming with them it was another like sort of very 90s uh that type of band and then primus is coming at some point too I was like, if you wait long enough, if people are alive, it feels like they're they're gonna reunite. Like the, the <laughs> money for touring is just so much more was than corn, the. Money. Corn was broken up, or what? I don't think they were like. I hate you, broken up. I think they were just like. Don't
1: you hate this, Jaime? Every show you're on, they end up talking about music. No. Yeah. It's
0: fine. <laughs> <laughs> see, see, these are not ones i'm like. Well, oh, let me think. Who is this Spigley band? I was like, dude, Mark, I know. Talking about no,
1: 60s no. and 70s bands, right? Yeah. Now. yeah. He's like, <laughs>
0: what pulling up these 90s bands? You know, early 2000s. Like that's that's and you know, back to 80s. That's this magenta. Well, yeah, I
1: think you and Jonathan are closer to age than than you and Mark, right? So right, right,
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, I think you, you. Oh, it's corn and faith no more. That's faith that's no like, I was gonna say faith no more, but yeah, yeah. corn and faith no that. more. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, and I've, I've heard this on a on number of different, uh, pods and stuff that I listen to, but the money from, you know, streaming and the money from obviously radio play and from album sales has just gone so far precipitously downward that for a lot of these artists who were used to getting checks in the mail, uh, yeah, touring, touring is where they make, I think this is the figure that I heard oh, last yeah, was yeah, 80%, sure. right? You make 80% of the money you're ever going to make sure. by, by hitting the road, you sell t-shirts, you sell albums on the road, you sell, uh. You know, tickets and premium experiences where you get to meet and greet and all that kind of stuff that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, if you want to meet the guys from Corn, I'm sure they'll happily shake your hand for an extra few hundred bucks. All right. We're we going to call it a night, guys. Yeah. Here. Talk to you later. We uh, make a, a team effort on watching. Uh, dog. You know how to book flights and hotels.